KUFO Portland. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area. Your daily show prep begins now. Two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five, and this the month of October and the year of our Lord, 2009. Thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. It is the Rick Emerson Cavalcade of Whimsy, live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101, KUFO in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Thursday, and welcome to Day 12. Thank you for uh, accompanying us on this excursion into amusement. It's 503-228-4101 if you would like to uh, be part of today's program. 503 228 4101-503-228-4101. Media comments, questions, clarifications, kvetches, kvetches, ruminations, ponderings, amusements of an ironic uh, nature, whatever it is you might have. 503-228-4101. You can also text if you want at 520-5150. Although I can't, I should note at this juncture that when I say this, I'm just saying it out of habit. I'm really just telling people to text because we're supposed to tell people to text. I can't actually see them or read them. Just so like... Let's not labor under any sort of illusion that I'm actually paying attention to the text when they come in, because I'm not. Somebody might be. Tim, are you reading the text as they come in? No, I'm reading the story of the original Balloon Boy from the 1960s. Excellent. Greg, you're reading the text as they come in? I'll look at the text. All right, Sarah? I look, I look at them all the time. All right, so fully 50% of the show is ignoring your texts as they come in. Be aware of that fact now. Should we be paying attention? Well, I, we should be. We just can't. I'm I mean, not it's just actually one able more to do thing. That. That's right. It's like watching one more TV show. When do I have free time to include more of these activities in my day? You mean today? Uh, yes, and tomorrow. Today and tomorrow, you probably have very little free time. Okay. Beyond that, it's up to God. It's 52051. If you would like to uh, text, you can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Hey, look, don't get me wrong. I'd like to read your texts. I... The, you know, the, but it's, it's sort of like the uh, the internet accessibility in this building is sort of like one of those islands you hear about in the South Pacific that is gradually being swallowed up by the ocean. There was a time long ago, and by long ago I mean like two weeks ago, when you could get the internet no matter where you were here at this building. Doesn't matter. You, if you're here, you've done the hall, office, upstairs, you can probably still get it upstairs. But, you know... It, that then went away, and we were only able to get Internet access upstairs and in this one tiny corner of the downstairs. Literally, like, where I'm standing right now, this this countertop here, you were able to get the Internet in this section of the studio and nowhere else on this level of the building. Now, as of, I think, last Monday, last Sunday, now you actually can't get the Internet anywhere down here at all. Uh, you can get it on this on my desktop, of course, which you know, is already running so many things. That to add the text messages to this Windows machine would just slow everything to some sort of a Paleolithic crawl. There's just, so it's, that's not going to work at all. Maybe you'll just have to leave the building to get Internet access in the future. I mean, here's the thing. Once I'm not, like, if I were not to be here, if I were to be somewhere mm -hmm. uh, other than here, yeah. I'd be able to get the text messages flawlessly. So when you send Maybe them... that's a solution. Like, don't uh, don't labor under the illusion that, uh, you know, that, that, that they're going nowhere. They're going somewhere. They're just not going somewhere where I can read them. So, you know, if it makes you feel better, 
text away. It's 52051. Uh, you can also email if you like it. It's Rick. That, I'm, the emails I am getting. Uh, it's Rick at RickEmerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com. Sarah Dillon can be reached at uh, Sarah with an H, KUFO.com. Tim Riley is at uh, Tim at KUFO.com. And Greg Nibbler, our esteemed production assistant, can be reached at uh, Nibbler, N-I-B-L-E-R at KUFO.com. Coming up uh, later on the day, Kelly Clark from the Willamette Week uh, will be here with another exciting installment of Food Porn that's coming up at uh, 7 o'clock. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com at uh, 640. Later on, and I'm doing this all out of order, but a guy who claims to have been Michael Jackson's bodyguard, although we can't find any pictures of him with Michael Jackson, we found a picture of him. It sort of looks like he's standing next to Elton John. But, like, the longer I looked at it, the more it looked like it was several different photographs that were sort of matched together. I wonder together. if this is the speed-pimping guy I under a new identity. I have no idea. I'm not saying he's making it up. I'm just saying that I'm not willing to vouch for any sort of veracity as regards his story. I mean, it's entirely possible that he is, as Douglas Adams once wrote, just some guy. You know, just sitting at, just sitting, at, trying to see if he can get on a radio show. By and you know, mission accomplished, friend. Uh, by saying he was Michael Jackson's bodyguard. His name is um, his name is Scott. We're gonna talk to him at uh, eight o'clock. So working backward, eight o'clock. Uh, a guy who may or may not have been Michael Jackson's bodyguard. Uh, Seven twenty. Food porn with Kelly Clark. Mister Skin from MrSkin.com dot com at six forty. Uh, coming up at uh, five twenty, we will talk to CNN radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum about Bernard Madoff. Sarah's shaking her head sadly. Why is that not going to be happening? Um, we're not going to because he's already scheduled at the time, and Roop just called in sick. Come on, come on! All right. Well, you know, Jim Roop, Roop is to... sick. Well, he's yeah, talking he has about to be on like a, his death. He must be really sick. <laughs> well, he's talking about the swine flu thing today because didn't he just get the vaccine for the swine flu, or was he just uh, had he just signed up to do it? Had he actually he gotten got it. it? So they gave him the swine flu vaccine. I wonder if they gave it to him too late. All right, so Jim Roop is not talking about the swine flu thing at all. Steve Kastenbaum is not talking because the, how can you pass up a story that says Bernard Madoff's office was, quote, awash in cocaine and sex? Is he able to talk about the cocaine and sex later on, Sarah? Oh, Just sure maybe not could. at that time? All right. Well, it's probably the same now except without the cocaine. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yes, and the sex is involuntary. Especially uh, the child molesting pizza maker. It's... I don't understand where that phrase came from yesterday. When you were talking about Bernard, Bernie Madoff, he was, the, he was this, you know, this guy that did, ripped off like $7 billion into some Ponzi scheme, eating pizza made by a sex offender. Well, Which, it was offered. May I make you a pizza? That's just creepy. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Also, a pair of tickets to see Pussifer at the Roseland on uh, November 14th. That show is sold. I've been sold it for a long time. They've added a second show, the 16th. You can get tickets for that at Tickets West. Dot com, uh, But the show on the 14th is sold out. We have a uh, pair of tickets for your pleasure sometime today, sometime between now and 9 a.m. So uh, be listening for details on how to win those sometime before the show is over today. It's 503-228-4101. Finally, last but not least, Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk coming up later on. We'll talk about everybody's new best friend, Steve Phillips. Oh, and I have the 911 call from his wife. Oh, man. It's awesome. It is. I've only heard little parts of it. You have the whole 911 call? That is fantastic. We have everything good over here. So Steve Phillips is a guy. He was working for ESPN, and I guess before he was... Well, he did something at the Mets, didn't he? Didn't, did he play for the Mets? Did he manage the Mets? What did he, he do, was, Greg? He was the GM of the Mets. He was the GM of the Mets. And, being, and, and you know what? This 22-year-old woman really isn't that attractive. No, she's I mean, she's not even a New York one. I'm... <laughs> I mean, I mean she'd be an, an Emenclaw five. She is Wow. She is re- she is really um she does have crazy eyes. She has crazy face. 
She apparently has crazy life. She has crazy everything. And I guess went berserk and started smashing the guy's car in front of his house. Uh, and the wife had to it call 911. It could be just poor driving. Oh, that's got to be an awkward call, too. When you're having to call 911 and you are simultaneously having to report that a precious item of yours is being destroyed while admitting to the 911 operator that your husband is stooping a 22-year-old who's nuts. So, who is nuts, by the way. Uh, we're joined today, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Dillon. Hello, how are you, Sarah? Hello, doing very well. How about yourself? I'm uh, fine. How was your evening? Was it exciting? It was good. I spent it painting like a hippie on my back patio. Hipping, uh, hipping, uh, painting, painting, like, painting your house or actually painting like a thing? Painting a picture. Painting a thing. For a friend of mine. What oh, about you? Like an artiste? Is your sister still living with you or have they moved out? No, they've moved out. They have their own place. That was fast. Yeah. That's, you know, you, uh, see, I, you have kind of proven me wrong here because I was sort of secretly afraid that they were going to move in, her and her boyfriend, and then they were just going to stay there forever. Because that's, every time I have ever made the mistake of letting somebody live with me, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve weeks later, they become the thing that would not leave. Yeah, I'd I never do that. I, the last time, and, it, and it, it hasn't happened for years now, the last time that I made the mistake of letting somebody live with me, I literally had to move out myself because they just, they, I couldn't get them to leave. And so I just had to seed them the apartment. You know, I just let them have it. I was like, that's it. I, F it. I'm just moving somewhere else. And I just had to pack all my crap and I had to get out and I had to find a new place to live because clearly they were never going to be going anywhere. So, no, good my sister. Your sister. Well oh, done. no, they're, yeah, they're great. And I knew that she wanted to find her own place. And so they've just been, um, even like now that since they live here, they've just been you know like cleaning my apartment and making dinner and stuff. Awesome! I love wow. them for that. Excellent. Those yeah. are good temporary house guests. Yes, exactly. there aren't too many of them. <laughs> Pay a visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is five twelve. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs near sixty. Rain coming in tomorrow. Battleground police are looking for. Malicious pumpkin throwers who damaged four cars. At least one windshield was destroyed in what is being called a drive-by smashathon. Three guys have been arrested for allegedly shooting at a passing car in Northeast. This happened at Tillamook at 11. They missed whomever they were shooting at and no property damage was reported. A Virginia man is learning it's always a good idea to wear clothes while making coffee in your own home. Eric Williamson was arrested for indecent exposure, decent exposure, after a woman spotted him making coffee in the nude through a window. He said he was surprised about what happened next. No one would say anything at first, and finally they bring it up. Okay, some kind of pervert. I'm like, am I so? Whoa, 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 what, what's up? What's happening? So the co- the cops come to his house. Wait a minute, wait, I don't understand. What what is happening halfway through that call? Well, I, I guess he's getting excited. He decided to make some coffee since he was home alone and it was dark outside. He decided to brew a pot of coffee without clothes on in his own home. Unfortunately, a woman was walking by with her seven-year-old son and spotted Williamson in the window. Saw his penis. Mm -hmm. I understand. Who has a daughter himself and is a good family man, said he never intended to be seen and would never try to offend anyone with his private parts. See, that's and that's that's what we're talking about here. It's not that she saw him. It's not that he was exposed in some way. It is that uh, it, it is that her eyes encountered his his male member. Really, that's what we're talking about, right. right? It is penis exposure. Here's the reason I ask about this. It's not really just for gratuitous use of the uh, of, of that word. It's just that, as I think I said on the other the other day, I think I said this. Was this an off-air conversation when I revealed that if Laura and I noticed? After we had moved into our place, that if you are standing in the bathroom and the right combination of lights is on, you can be seen if you are standing on the street outside. 
Was that on the air that I revealed you that or was that off the air? Yeah. yeah. So if you are standing in our bathroom, uh, almost anywhere, literally except in the shower itself, in the shower with the with like the sort of shower door closed, that is the only place in the bathroom that is not visible from the outside street. So there's um, and. It's not only that you could like so you can stand. I shouldn't be me saying this, but if you stand on the sidewalk in front of my house, if you stand on the corner in front of my house, and in fact, if you are in, I think one of three apartments that is across the street from us, you can actually see directly into the John. So I and that is well, that's nothing people want to see. No, no, no. I'm not saying that it's. I, you know, I'm not saying that that's going to be the toppermost of anybody's list. I'm just making the observation that it is easier than one might expect to inadvertently reveal your Johnson to the whole to, to the whole world. It's not like in other. It's not like a thing you have to make an appointment to do. You know, you have to like go out of your way to make sure that it's you're not ex- appointment viewing. No, it's not, not like I have to sort of take uh, extraneous measures to make sure that uh, you know that my junk is going to be exposed. One can. I have gone into the kitchen uh, to make coffee or to, to, to rustle up some grub in the morning, and then you realize if somebody happened to be standing outside, they wouldn't see me in the altogether, but they'd see me in my embarrassing blue boxer shorts that have white whales on the front. It used to be people were satisfied just stealing your truck. <laughs> That's right, Tim. Speaking of which, well, well. I'd, I was actually, I had something to say on, on that score, but we'll, uh, we'll save it to the other side. It's 503-228-4101. I was greeted by yet another reminder that Southeast is, is, part, of, is part of a unique tapestry. Did in someone the, uh, poop in your yard again? It wasn't so uh. much poop as it was, I, we'll talk more about it. It's a Southeast story when we come back. Stay there. We're live from Portland. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at 6 o'clock. Thought to a CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbach from New York. All right, so he is. So we do have Steve at 6. He's going to be talking about this Bernie Madoff thing where apparently they were just they were just spending all their time just racking out lines of blow and nailing whores, apparently. And that's literally. Which is totally what I would do. It, it, let's have no illusions. If I had like $7 billion that I'd swindled from, or, or even that I'd earned legitimately, I would spend it on drugs and whores. I'm telling you right well, now. it's an updated madman. That's, I mean, look, if you're not going to, what else do you want money for? If you're just going to have it and, you know, put it in the bank and just, you know, look at it. I mean, I understand you want money for the financial security and stability and, the, you know, whatever, to whatever extent that's possible. But $7 billion goes beyond being financially secure. I mean, it seems like once you pass $2 billion, really, what could you possibly, what could ever happen to you that you would need more than $2 billion? Anything beyond that is just retarded. So, I mean, it seems like if you've got $7 billion, I mean, you've already got enough to pay for, like, drugs and then rehab and then more drugs and then rehab. Like, you've got every cycle for the rest of your life, you know, just sort of uh, sort of paid for. So, you know, why not? Uh, 620 Ball Talk with Greg Nibbler, 640 Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, 7 o'clock, uh, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week, and uh, 8 o'clock, uh, a guy who claims he was Michael Jackson's bodyguard. We should figure out a, a, so like some sort of questions to throw at him later on to see if he can you know, sort of suss out whether or not he's sharing the truth with us. Good call. At the news desk, it is your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 529. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs near 60. Rain tomorrow. A Pacific City man has been charged with killing his business partner and then dumping his body into the ocean. Eric Reisman has been arrested at home on charges of second-degree murder of John Atkins, whose body is yet to be found. 
both left for a fishing trip. Only one returned. Vancouver finally has something to be proud of, and they can thank the trombone. An Evergreen High School senior is among 97 kids who will perform in the U.S. Army All-American Marching Band during a nationally televised football game. Trombone player Calvin Gorman is the only student from the Northwest to have that honor. What is his name? His name is Calvin Gorman. And we're calling this an honor, are we? What is it? He's playing the trombone the where? The trombone at a U.S. Army football game. All right. I mean, who am I to step on a young man's dreams or whatever? But I mean... Take these little victories where you can get them. How is it that... Uh, I don't mean to sound like I'm piling on here because he plays the trombone. How good could his, you know, his life really trumpet. be? But I... It, how is it in 2009... And keep in mind, I am saying this is a big, big nerd. I mean, I have no... Have no illusions that I was ever. Uh, have no illusions that I was popular or a, or a member of. There uh, were jocks, drama nerds, and band nerds. That's the thing. I mean, they, you know, and they, they're pick your pick. And they, you, there's that whole uh, list of uh, that whole list of archetypes that what's her name, Edie McClurg, uh, you know, reads off in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I was at the bottom rung of of all of those lists. I mean, even like even other band nerds, uh, you know, and other drama dorks thought I was uh, thought I was a loser. So like, like it's not like I'm looking uh, looking down at Calvin. I'm just well, wondering. Well, the good Lord gives us a set of genes to do certain things. But see, my thing is, like, in 2009, how is it that you end up playing the trombone in the band? Like, why, what is going on in your life that you decide that that's something you want to spend your time on? Because high school never changes. It do- I, well, I understand it that. Have you ever seen Mean Girls? No, no, it see, has I haven't. Because the funniest rundown of people, one of them, one of the uh, stereotypes talk about is sexually active band geeks. No, well, see, that's that's true. Is that when I was in high school, it's like it, like, it, like chunky band girls would always find chunky band guys to make mm-hmm. out with, uh-huh. just like pale uh, drama people would find other pale drama people to you know to get it on with. I understand that, but is, do you suppose I'm not speaking just about Calvin now? But do you suppose in general that is still the motivation for getting into band? Probably. See, but I don't think it is because I don't think you realize that that's the case until you're in band. I don't think, like from the outside, band people put out. Yeah, I mean, which they do. Let's have no illusions. But you know, but band girls put out like there's, and I don't mean band girls like Penny Lane. I mean band girls like, you know, like girls in the high school, like in the in the in the chorus class or whatever. Those girls put out like nobody's business. Let's just let's just lay that bare right now. But I don't think you realize that when you are entering high school. Uh, I don't think, I think you just assume that you're a dateless loser and will always remain that way. At least I did. I was just, I was just under the impression that no one would ever speak to me or talk to me. I was sort of resigned to it at that point, which I think a lot of high school dorks are. Mm -hmm. So I think that that, that benefit of joining any sort of, uh, any sort of high school clique, which is that at the very least you can grope other members of the clique. I don't think you realize I think that's something that's that's like an unexpected perk. Like when you become a like when you join a company and you realize there's an executive washroom you get to use, but you didn't really know that when you took the job. It, it, they just sprung it on you. It's like a surprise. I wonder wh- who it is that says to themselves, "I want to start learning the trombone at the age of 15." That's what I'm going to spend my free time well, on. Well, it starts much younger in uh, elementary school. Really? Does it though? That's when I Did started you, learning the trombone. In your elementary that's school? That's when I had to learn the recorder. Yep. They they gave you the option of learning the trombone at your elementary school. Oh, the trumpet! I took the trumpet. Oh, well, I was forced to. My dad was a trumpet player. See, and when I uh, when I was uh, in let's see, kindergarten all the way. I mean, I went to a Catholic school, so maybe it was different. But kindergarten through eighth, we had no option of learning any musical instrument at all. There was there was in fact no music class of any kind offered. So I mean, I couldn't I couldn't have learned the trombone if I wanted. If you put a gun to my head, I couldn't have learned the trombone. There was no where was I going to get one. Well, perhaps you should have grown up in Vancouver. You'd be an expert trombone player. Well, Vancouver is the home of culture for the Northwest, Tim. That is, uh, 
All right. I'm going to make a make a note to myself to investigate this a little further. It's just odd. Again, I'm not trying to bust on the guy. Clearly, he's... Uh, it's not odd. If you were in high school, there were certain click groups and certain things people aspire to during that period of but time. See, but, but no, but no, 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 see, but, and I, we have to take a break here. But, I, but, that's, but see, that's where you're wrong, Back in though. the days of my youth, it was the drama club. No, but but see, this but this is where you're incorrect. But these, this, these groups don't, do not cross the paths of others. But this is where your connection falls apart. See, I think that in general, you are accurate. In spe- specificity, though, you are not. I understand the deal of going into uh, a, a drama, mm. uh, let's say, because, you know, because you think, well, I want to act, because you have some sort of notion that you're going to get on stage and become an actor or be in movies or TV or plays or something. And, you know, and, it's, and you're, you know, and you're a spastic, uh, you know, you're, you're a spastic freak who, you know, who can't be. Who, and, and you identify with that group of crazy people who can't be controlled with any amount of medication. And so, you know, that's where they put you in drama class. That's what they did with me. So I get that because you can you can look at drama class from the outside in high school and see okay that is a key to some kind of possible popularity in the future or, or acting a, a, a might pl- a place of comfort right well acting yeah that acting might bring me you know some sort of yeah you do might be happiness a, or hey, happiness or you know or, you know I might become. Is there some personal relevance here? This all sounds like these are strangely intimate revelations from you, Tim. Well, no, these you're agreeing with me. <laughs> so, but I guess what I'm saying is acting can be seen as some sort of weird, if unlikely, path to popularity. I don't know that anybody looks at playing... But not in high school. Right, but the trombone, though. Like, who looks at the trombone and sees, that's it, that's my ticket out of this town, the trombone? Obviously, for this youth, it was. But don't you think that he's the exception to the rule? Yes. Some people rise to the occasion. I mean, you can look at many examples of acting that, you know, it's gotten people out of a small town, or it's gotten them some sort of fame, or some sort of respect, or attention, or whatever... I, I can't think of anybody who was like, I'm going to play the tuba and then everything is going to turn for because that never happens. It ever, might happen ever. in this case. Well, you know, I think the bands are more creative this day, these days. I mean, they're like cool accordion players and bands like, you know, bands like the Decemberists who have random, you know, instruments that they use. Uh, what was his argument in the first place? I, it's I not, it, no, see, but it's not even really an argument. I'm just wondering. I'm wondering why it is now that you would uh, of all the things you could do with your life and your time in high school, you would spend it playing, you know, like the tuba. Because I know that, you know, Calvin is going to he's going to go play at the Army-Navy game or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, really, where, where after that? Quo Vadimus, Calvin. Where 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 does he go once uh, that is done? Uh, symphony Orchestra, perhaps. Really? Yes, do you suppose really. that's actually going to happen, Well, Tim? old members die out and have to be replaced by new ones. Most cities, <laughs> uh, most decent-sized cities have one of these things. They play every weekend, if not during the week. So you just sit at home. They're, and- they're, not, they're, they're not part of your social experience. So Calvin just waits for the Boston Pops to be stricken with cancer. so he Basically, can, uh, yeah. So no opening for him. Well, fair enough. Well, good for him. I mean, there are people who had your job before you. They're gone. That's how we got here. Everyone has to be replaced by someone at some point. Back after this, perhaps, it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. It's 503-228-4101. We return next with more from Tim Riley coming up at the top of the hour. Steve Kastenbaum at 620. Ball talk. Stay right there. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Broadcasting in low definition. Are you just going to let me bleed out? The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Every time I hear that one, it kind of creeps me out. 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Oh, you know, I never bought you your second birthday present, by the way. 
I think I told you about it. It's this terrible uh, True Blood shirt that I saw at Hot Topic. Oh, yes. Well, you still can. And it just says, it's one of those shirts that's great because there's nothing clever or subtle about it. it it's a picture of Bill and Sookie. And then below that, the caption says, Bill and Sookie. And that's it. It doesn't even, that, it's, and it's terrible. It's like gray on black. But but I'm but I'm making it sound like even way more stylish that than it really is. That sounds amazing. I wore my Twilight shirt yesterday. My sister was humiliated. No, it's gray on black, and it's Bill, and he's and it's uh, Bill. And Compton. is it the one where she's like laying with her boobs hanging out with like the, the, the blood marks? On yes, the side? yes, she is. Well done. Yes. And, and he's sort of, but he's bending her over like they're doing a low dip in ballroom dancing. But it's like, yeah, but she's got the whole like look look at my breasts uh, thing going on. And then be- below that, in like a blood spatter font, it just says Bill and Suki, and. Uh, <laughs> And I saw it at uh, I saw it at a hot topic when I was looking for looking for something. It might have actually just been before your birthday came up. I think it's before you just told me what to get you for your birthday. And I might have actually been looking around, but it was right next to a shirt. Let me here's a problem. Let me just list a, 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 a few things I know to be true. One, women never have this issue, and guys sometimes do. Occasionally, and guys will not often admit this, they won't sort of volunteer this information. Guys will occasionally see clothing that is really cool, but that is meant for women. And that especially if you're a guy, if you, if it, like, depending on how you dress or the type of clothing, there will be clothing that looks kind of gender neutral, but then you realize it's like a, like a, and with shirts, especially where it's like a chick shirt. And if you're a guy, you can't, you just can't be wearing a chick shirt, especially if it's, I mean, you know, and God forbid it buttons or something. I mean, because then you have to, you have to make up, you know, no, 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 it's from Britain. They do it backward over there, you know. But it's like T-shirts, guys, a lot of times will see T-shirts, especially if you wear, like if you, if you kind of dress like all of us dress, where if it's just jeans and a black T-shirt, mm-hmm. half the shirts you see, it, it turns out that they are made for girls. And then, and then it's a whole thing of like, can I get away with wearing this? And will it be apparent that I am wearing female clothing? There was, and I just sound like a huge, the, 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 the massive retard by even saying this, but right next to the Bill and Sookie shirt at uh, Hot Topic, there was this, I don't even want, it wasn't even like a jersey. It was, um, it was, what is that style of shirt, uh, Sarah, where it's, I always, I always equate it with the 80s, but it's not really from the 80s. It is a long sleeve t-shirt, but where the sleeves are a different color than the actual body of the shirt. I always equate it with like Little League baseball yeah, teams, that's, you know what I'm talking that's about? Yeah, I think it was. I don't even know what you call that, but you know what, but you know that kind of shirt like I'm talking about. Like three-quarter length? Yes, three-quarter length sleeves, and they're one color, and then the shirt itself is another color, and then the collar is usually the same color as the sleeves. Yeah, it's like a jersey shirt. But it's, it's like a t-shirt jersey or something anyway but they had a they had a t-shirt jersey i first of all i sound like a boob even talking about this second of all i sound like i'm a hundred years old because uh i'm talking about i was at hot topic the other day attempting to dress far younger than my age and they had a jersey t-shirt from slytherin house at hogwarts and it was the best slytherin shirt i've ever seen in my life because it was slytherin like slytherin was a baseball team it was as though there was a it, it and it wasn't i don't think it was like a quidditch shirt but it was it was like a Slytherin jersey. And I sat there and I looked at it for probably 45 or 60 seconds, just staring at it, thinking to myself, is this the sort of thing I can wear without people realizing that I'm wearing female clothing? And then, but then I realized that everybody in the store, or at least in my, in my hallucinative you know, world where everything is about, about me, then I feel like everybody in the store is looking at me. Nobody's looking at you. Well, but see, I, you, don't, you don't know, though, because... You know the world is probably filled with people like us who fill most of their time by you know by, by making fun of others. So I wonder if there's some version of us working at Hot Topic where later they get together and they go, yeah, there was this old guy there and he was staring at the at the chick's clothing on the wall and I think he might be a pedophile, you know, because I'm sitting there staring at the girl's clothing, uh, you know, not making any noise, just standing immobile, wondering if I can fit into a Slytherin shirt. 
Anyway, so that's what I do with my free time, like in case you're wondering. Tim Riley's tracking the following uh, stories for you on this Thursday. Why, it's miraculous. There are ads for it everywhere. And the headline is, Windows 7 may bring the fun back to PCs. Like it was ever there in the first place. An Arizona girl is run down by her dad for not conforming to traditional Iraqi values, whatever those are. Deep cuts and bonuses are in store for the suits of those build-out companies. Excellent. It's 503 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at the top of the hour, CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum talks about how the Bernard Madoff office was awash in drugs and hookers. Uh, Greg uh, Nibbler has uh, ball talk at 620, which is awash in crazy, and we will have uh, more later on. Stay there. On Rock 101, KUFO. KUFO Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Thank you for joining us today. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Oh, I promised to tell this story earlier, so I'll just I'll keep it real brief. We were talking about... How did this even come up? Why were we talking about... Uh, why were we talking about my truck being stolen from in front of my house? Well, we, we were saying it might be preferable to people staring at you in the bathroom window. Ah, that's they can true. see you take care of your business. <laughs> yes, yes, because uh, because if you're standing on the corner near my home, I say, encouraging people to you're do so. You're telling people again to please do that. Horrible, passive way. I'm just saying, you. I, I don't think our house is the only house on the street that is this way, but of course it's the only one that I, that I know about because I live there. You can see directly into the house, especially if it's like late at night, early in the morning, you know, and some, you know, it's that whole thing about if it's dark outside, but there's a light on inside the house. It's like suddenly it's a big fishbowl. You can stare right inside. You said it's preferable to my truck being stolen. I don't know if it's preferable to this. So when I left, uh, when I left home this morning to come to work, so was, I, I don't know, I left at maybe three forty-five, something like that. I walk out the front door of my house this morning, around three thirty, three forty-five in the morning, and then there's a drunk couple, not just a drunk man, not just a drunk woman, an actual drunk couple that are passed out on the front porch in front of my door. <laughs> No lie, literally, I would have taken a photo of it, except when I opened it, they immediately were like, ah, okay, and they just got up and sort of wandered Was off. Was it my friend Kyle? No, well, what does he look like? Does he date a trashy, skanky blonde girl? I'm no, sorry. Not, I no, guess no, that's no. the sort of thing you can't answer on the air. No, <laughs> no, I really like his girlfriend, but I know he lives right near you, and he sometimes takes naps in people's yards on the way home. Well, sorry, Kyle, and more specifically to your girlfriend, if that was you. Uh, I know I opened the front door, and they were just they were just asleep right there on the steps in front of my door. So there you go. All part of life's rich pageant. It's 503-228-4101. Let's welcome out to the Rick Emerson Show from New York City. CNN Radio correspondent Steve Kastenbaum. Hello, sir. How's it going? Uh, well, you know, uh, I'm not having to sleep in front of random houses in southeast Portland, so that's uh, one of the wind column for me. You'd probably be uh, kind of wet if you did that a lot, right? Well, I mean, fortunately, it the, was dry last night. Yeah, the weather last night was conducive to sleeping in front of Rick Emerson's home. Apparently, the best part is how I didn't even have to say like, "Hey, you guys, get off my get off my lawn." The I just opened the door, and I wonder if they had moved from house to house sort of during the night because I didn't have to say a single word. I opened the door. And they just kind of got up. They just sort of shuffled off together, leaning against one another. For they were like some sort of. They were like a. Um, they were like a fleshy mobile teepee, just sort of lean, leaning against each other, like a self-supporting structure kind of way, and just sort of limping off down the street. They looked like um, they looked like trashy extras from Thriller, except not not decayed so much as drunk, just sort of staggering off down the road together. It was it was actually kind of sweet. That you know? seems 
in a Portland kind of way. Trashy way. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a way that uh, that no one else finds romantic. You know, I was once in a, a, a beach house with uh, some friends on the Jersey Shore, and because there were so many of us staying in the house, we left the, the door unlocked so people could come in whenever you know at the end of the night whenever they wanted. And we right. woke up in the morning, and there was some strange guy sleeping on our couch. <laughs> we, nobody knew him. We didn't know how he got there. And somebody finally woke him up, and we're like, "Hey, uh, buddy, uh, who are you?" And he's like, "What?" <laughs> I'm Ted. He's, he turned out. It turned out. You know, a lot of those beach houses they look they look the same down there on the right. Jersey Shore. So. Uh, he stumbled uh, home drunk from some bar, thought he was at his house, walked into ours, and slept on the couch well, the whole night, you, not realizing he was in the wrong house. And you would always hear those stories about Levittown, too. We, you know, the houses all, it was like, row, what did they call it, rows and rows of ticky-tacky, just houses that all looked the same. Yeah. And, you know, you get some Don Draper guy who gets half half in the bag on the way home from work, you know, just walks into the wrong house and just <laughs> falls asleep. Or wasn't that, wasn't that the case in L.A. for a while where people wake up and Robert Downey Jr. was like in bed with them or something? <laughs> wasn't that Robert Downey Jr. where they found him a couple different times? And I don't mean this in a creepy way, but they would find him like in their kid's bed or something. Like he would just he would just wander in a window and look for the first place he could find to lay down. And oh, I guess I'll just sleep here. <laughs> And then the next day, it's like, hey, Robert Downey Jr. is here. we got to spray again. <laughs> I think it was him, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, speaking of drunk and whatever, let's talk about Bernie Madoff and this, uh, this office where he worked. First of all, I didn't really think of him working in an office, although I guess he must have. I get it. When I picture Bernie Madoff, he's sort of just, uh, he's sort of skulking around a dimly lit home, uh, you know, home office, you know, where no one else is allowed. And he's just sort of, you know, and he's surrounded by stacks and stacks of money like Jacob Marley. But... I guess he had this whole operation going where they were just knee-deep in hookers and blow, is, which seems like a pretty... I mean, look, if you're going to spend your days getting ready for prison, that seems like, uh, you know, you're going to drink deeply from the cup of life uh, beforehand, and it sounds like he was. You know, it's no secret that cocaine was rampant on Wall Street in the 70s and 80s. Well, this lawsuit filed on behalf of some of the victims of the Ponzi scheme, and there are many lawsuits, by the way, uh, this one claims that the Madoff firm was a cocaine-fueled environment that Madoff would take money from investors and send employees out to buy cocaine, and that at company parties, topless entertainers were a regular fixture. It also claims that there were many uh, affairs in the workplace and that some guys were having their affairs even in Bernard Madoff's own office. You got. I mean, look. If the company's bringing in seven billion dollars, couldn't those guys afford their own? Couldn't they afford a room? Couldn't they afford to buy? Why wouldn't they just buy a hotel at that point? Why wouldn't you buy a whole separate building uh, to go? You know, be you know, throwing a hump at this um, hooker as opposed to just doing it on Bernard Madoff's desk, which is just gross. It's, you mean you mean like the, the the mafia guys, right? Who have the apartment in the city for the girlfriend? That's what I'm saying. You know, the Henry Hill. He puts the as the you know he lives with uh, Karen, and then he has what whatever her name is the the uh, the the, uh, the girl from the Madonna videos, who's his uh, who's his girlfriend. Yeah, and he keeps her in an apartment in the city. It this just seems like poor planning. And let me just speak for all of us here i can't think of a single person uh, i work with where i'd be feel comfortable with them having sex on my desk and then ever using that desk again i would have to burn the entire office mm. i'm just i maybe but maybe i don't do enough blow so it may, maybe if i was just jacked out of my mind on cocaine these things would bother me less does it say that bernie madoff himself was doing any of this or was it just like a perk for working for him it, it, it you know it, it doesn't say specifically that that he did these things but it intimates that he did it also says that uh, when Bernard Madoff thought the end was near in 2006, he started transferring funds to his London office 
and that that money was used for extravagant personal purchases. So there was like a, so, you know, it was like a, uh, there was a cocaine fund that he would just sort of set aside, kind of like petty cash or like when, you know, like the honor box for, uh, you know, for Snickers bars or something. But it, but it was, but it wasn't for that so much as it was for, for hookers. And it actually says here that I like the phrase, a cocaine fueled work environment and quote, a culture of sexual deviance. Which is, you know, which is kind of great. I mean, you, that makes you wonder if that was like in their, in the sort of public profile of the company, you know, where instead of talking about, you know, we're a people company that puts, we put an emphasis on teamwork and networking, that instead it was just, you know, we are a culture of sexual deviance and drugs. <laughs> I mean, that, you know, that, that would probably get you some interviews with college grads looking for an interesting place to uh, set up shop. But I'm, I, I must say, you know, I'm not surprised by this because in the male-dominated world of, of Wall Street in the 70s and 80s, you know, there was a lot of that going on. I read an article the other day, actually. Uh, it was, I guess it was actually a few months back. I read it. Where was it? Like the New Yorker or something. It was, uh, but it was talking about how because of the – this is actually kind of great. They were talking about how because of the recession and because everybody's uh, economy imploding, that stockbrokers couldn't afford to do cocaine anymore the way that they used to. It was just uh, that coke was, it was a luxury drug that they could no longer afford. And so there was this article about all of these stockbrokers who were having to um, fake ADD symptoms to go to the doctor so the doctor would jack them up on ADD drugs because that was the only uh, substitute for cocaine that they could afford. You know, they, there are those people who claim the street price of cocaine went down when the uh, use of cocaine on Wall Street started to go down. In other words, the demand went down. Well, the supply and demand. That is the free... I mean, look, drugs are the free market economy in action. They are they are capitalism incarnate. Uh, and so if guys are making less money and they can't afford uh, to buy, uh, you know, and I, you know, I have no idea what cocaine costs, but it's it's expensive, uh, especially because, as George Carlin once said, uh, cocaine, he, somebody asked him, what, he, what, what, you know, what does cocaine make you feel like? And he says, it makes me feel like doing more cocaine. So it... it <laughs> It, it, it just seems like a thing that is, that's a self-perpetuating drug. So, but if you got less money, then dealers are going to have to, they're going to have to lower their price. Everything must go. And then it becomes like Crazy Eddie's, uh, you know, house of, uh, you know, house of, house of, uh, drugs. So, I have no idea what this phone call is all about. We're just, we're all over the, uh, we're all over the map today. But, you know, that's, uh, that's part of the magic spark that makes the Rick Emerson show come alive in morning, Steve. Yes, it uh, is a fantastic way to wake up. Yeah. It really is. Uh, and real quickly, so uh, before we wrap all this up, just to sort of bring it full circle, these guys from the companies who got all this bailout money, there was some story that they're going to get all their compensation uh, it chopped. Is that true, or is that just a thing they're lying to us about to make us feel better about the fact that the, you know, that the whole economy is still in the dumper? Well, we're told the Treasury Department is going to release the details next week, but they're going to demand, they're going to order that the executives take a massive pay cut at these uh, seven firms that took the most bailout money and that the top 25 executives at those firms will see a 90% reduction in their actual cash payment and on average about a 50% reduction in their overall compensation. So some of that cash is going to be replaced with shares of stock that they will not be allowed to sell for a specific amount of time. So they're going to have to sort of be tethered to this so they can't, like, kind of short their own stock effectively. Pretty much, yeah. All right. Excellent. On that note, my friend, have a fantabulous day, and uh, we will speak with you in the very near uh, future. Steve Kastenbaum. Thank you, sir. Take care. There you go. Steve Kastenbaum, New York City. All right. On the other side, uh, Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk coming up at 620. One of the most beloved segments of the Rick Emerson Show already, even by people, and I think especially by people who are not sports enthusiasts, because he uses the common language of pain and suffering of people who aren't us. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We return next. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO.
The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. That is the number here at Rock 101 KUFO. If you would like to email, it's rick at rickemerson.com. Coming up at 640, we have Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com and more news from Tim Riley. Tim is working on the following headlines on this Thursday morning. It looks like one in seven girls at one Chicago high school are pregnant. But things are looking up. They're going to close down the crack house across the street and turn it into a daycare center. 7,000 a day are losing unemployment benefits, and more than 200,000 jobless Americans will see their checks stop this month. These and other stories coming up. Merry Christmas! It's 503-228-4101, 503-228-4101. Coming up at uh, 7 o'clock, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week with Food Porn, and at uh, 8 o'clock, a guy who may or may not have been Michael Jackson's bodyguard. I was looking at these photos, so there's a photo of him with Elton John. And then there's a photograph of somebody who looks like Dick Van Patten, but I'm unclear. But clearly, nobody is guarding Dick Van Patten at this point. I mean, I think Dick Van Patten's actually dead. Tim, is Dick Van Patten dead? No, he's still alive. I heard a story about he was uh, shopping in the store last week, and somebody came up to him to ask him to push his carriage off to the side. And his response when he saw this person coming to us was, I'm not doing any autographs today. Really? Is <laughs> Mr. Van Patten, we're just asking you to move your carriage to the side so we can get by. Get away from me! Make the dragons go away! It's 503-228-4101. It was the guy on which they based his character. That's who died. It was the real life... Ben Bradley? Yeah, uh, no, Ben Bradley was a guy from the Washington Post. It was the real-life guy from the Sacramento Bee or Register or whatever the hell that newspaper was. I and thought it was the, Ben Bradley. Was, no, no, no. The Ben Bradley was the guy that was uh, that uh, was Carl, Woodward, uh, Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward's boss of the Washington Post during Watergate. The guy in Eight is Enough that Dick Van Patten plays, his character on Eight is Enough was based on a guy who owned the Sacramento newspaper, and that real-life guy is who died about, uh, I don't know, three, four, five months ago, something like that. All right, it's all conflating in my head. Oh, I just heard the Jackson kids' entourage has been involved in a hit-and-run. Yeah, I heard they about that, too. They were being taken to karate class, and they have security that follows them everywhere. Apparently, there were no injuries, though. No. It's all very innocuous, unfortunately. It's 503, I mean, just, you know, for purposes of news. Yes. It's 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. It's that time again, ladies and gentlemen, for Greg Nibbler's Ball Talk. I'm Greg Nibbler. Let's talk balls. All right. In uh, NBA news, LaMarcus Aldridge has signed a five-year extension with the Blazers. This has been going on for a while, so it's finally happened. He is confirmed five years, $65 million contract, so he's going to be with the Blazers for a while. And the Blazers have filled out their roster with the 15th and final spot that they were having people try out for. Ime Udoka did not get it. Neither did uh, Jaron Collins. It's Patrick Mills, one of their rookies, who's probably not even going to play this year. I don't really know why they picked him. It's another point guard. They don't really need another point guard. Kind of a uh, pointless move, if you ask me. And Major League Baseball news. The Phillies are in the World Series winning 10-4 last night. The Yankees will have their shot tonight. And the story of the day in baseball. ESPN analyst Steve Phillips 
is in the news. He um, apparently was having an affair with a 22-year-old intern or production assistant. And I don't even Not think even it's that attractive. And it's, no. Well, she's. And I don't even think it's apparently. I think he copped to it. I think he actually flattered. You're right. His, yeah, his... he did. He did admit it. Yes. Yeah. So he was he was having an affair with this woman, and you are very much right, Tim. She is not attractive at all. Yeah, I mean, she looks like a young Rosie O'Donnell. She's she's kind of chunky, cute, but I mean, clearly oh, not. Have you worth... seen this picture? Oh, that's a less good photo of her. Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> I hadn't see, seen I that had one. seen the other ones, too, where it was just, just her I mean, face, and I was like, she, well, she, you know. Yeah, she, she is not even New York City interim material. No, she wow. is She is really bad. Wow, she, she has to have a really good personality. She actually, in this picture, she looks like one of those, she looks like a dude that would be a band geek playing trombone in high school. She's got, like, the long, greasy hair, and oh, gosh, she Wait, is disgusting. Look at it. Couldn't you picture that, that dude playing trombone? Oh, wow. You know... Let me just tell you this. She looks like a guy named Richard who used to sit next to me in driver's ed class in high school. Yeah. He went nuts and hacked up his mom with a machete one night after listening to Pink Floyd and dropping acid. This probably isn't the same guy. Yeah. No, the, really? Yeah. No, this is apparently a girl. Wow. Yeah, it looks like the guy that sits out in his uh, Dodge out in, the, out in the parking lot during lunch smoking doobies. He's like a 21-year-old who comes back to try to deal dime bags to all the uh, to all of the uh, the high school kids. Yeah, hitting on 15-year-old girls. Hey, you guys want to go uh, to a real rocket party tonight? No? All right, I guess I'll... I guess I'll guess I'll go have sex with Steve Phillips. I'll buy you cigarettes. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, we have the entire nine one one call that happened this later on. So apparently, she went to his house to leave a note admitting this to um, Steve Phillips' wife, and the wife came home and kind of caught her in the act. And we have a nine one one call. I think this kind of just explains it all. I think so. It's this is to listen. what we're going to hear. So this is the twenty two year old who has shown up at the house. She's smashing the car. The wife comes home. Right. Catches the 22-year-old smashing up the car because I guess he, Matt Phillips, had had he broken it off? Yeah, they had broken it off, apparently. And, uh, you know, and it's not entirely clear exactly what was going on in that section of it. But um, she was going to admit it to the wife. So uh -huh. she was mad at Steve Phillips or wanted to cop up to it. And, uh -huh. uh, yeah, and this is the wife catching her in the act as she sped off and then apparently rammed a bunch of stuff in the yard, rammed through a concrete pillar and this is her this is the wife calling in Wilton 911 what's just right please hurry and come to one I have a crazy woman who is involved with my husband and she's come to my house to harm me and my children one Wilton okay. Connecticut okay ma'am is she outside she's going down that hill right now she's in a blue Prius she just pulled past me Okay, but you're you're. She looks like a dude. It's a blue car. It's a blue sedan. Okay, I'm sending officers right now. What are you doing? They're coming. They're on their way. She's driving down Madison Street. I'm just I live just just the dump. Okay, you you and your girl. Please hurry and catch her. She's crazy. They're they're on their way. They are on their way. I'm trying to drive down and catch her driver's license. Ma'am, what's your name? My name is Marty Phillips. Phillips. Yes. We, we have officers on their way. They should be there shortly. I don't know which way she turned on Mather Street. I shouldn't have let her like, leave the hill. Okay, so she left Mather Street. She left the hill. She's driving around town. I don't know where she is. She's an androgynous I'm, man I, I, beast. She lives in Bristol, so she's probably proceeding down uh, with north. Okay. Did she uh, confront you? Did she threaten you or anything? She has been threatening me via text and, and phone calls. Okay, did anything happen when she showed up? I was I was out, and when I pulled in my driveway, she was on the side of my driveway. So I don't know. I haven't. I, I didn't make it all the way to my house. I'm driving up to my house right now to see if there's any vandalism or okay. anything. 
Okay, just stay on the phone with me in case she comes back. Okay. Fabulous. I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have like, crashed my car into hers or anything, right? I'm sorry? Is she asking if she should have rammed yes. the girl with her yes. car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going up to my husband. It's almost like she's retroactively asking permission to go back and run her down. That's okay, right? I know who she is. I mean, it would be wrong to back over her, wouldn't it? Okay, here. We're safe. What was she smashing the car with, do we know? The, the 22-year-old. Well, I, I think what it was is the wife came home while um, and caught her in the act, and so this girl freaked out and was trying to tear off and get out of the... Uh, out of the parking lot, and so she was driving over stone pillars and over the lawn wow. and peeling out, and apparently, yeah, drove over an embankment trying to get out of there. Never let them know where you live. Seriously, yeah. why would they, isn't that like rule? What is it? The, it's the fifty mile rule or something? Yeah. Go to a different county. Yeah, you would certainly think so. So Jesus. I, I don't know. It's, that, that was a long cut. What time was it now? I, you know, it's just. Thank you, what time thank you Tim. It's six twenty nine a.m. This time check delivered to you by Cooney BMW's twenty nine minute fast and free service. Performance has an address, Cooney BMW. So if you're you know dating some nutcase who decides to come to your house and smash up your uh, your BMW, Cooney BMW they may in fact be able to help you out with restoring that to its formerly pristine condition. And then just go to a hotel from then on. I mean, really, it's just or just use the BMW itself. They are roomy in the back. I don't know. Or pick a better looking production assistant or, to have an affair with. I mean, good God. Like, seriously, if you're rich, famous, on television, former pro athlete, and this is what this is what well, you get? Well, somebody hired her in the first well, place. And that's the well, see, the, the other thing is, A, you're right. I mean, if you if you just I mean, if you're gonna risk everything, you know, you pick a girl who's hotter than this. Also, he's a good looking guy, and he's got money clearly. Yeah, and he's on television, and he was the GM of the Mets. Right, uh, and former so know, former player himself. Right, and being GM, you know, being GM gets you all the hot girls, as we know. And well, so it, it's not fair to all the girls getting plastic surgery and makeovers to get these internships that somebody like that gets hired. And that's the other thing is you would not pick a 22 year old because that is just I you got to wait until I think they're like. 25, 26, 28, whatever. Because at that point, the crazy has manifested itself if it's there. Right. You know what I mean? It's like there's that whole thing about if you're going to become schizophrenic, once you hit 25 years of age, apparently, the odds of developing paranoid schizophrenia drop by like 80%. There's some genetic thing that happens, something that happens in your brain where the chemicals uh, even out at 25. And they say if you're not schizophrenic by 25, you probably won't be. He should have waited a few years on this girl to see if the crazy just sort of came out, you know. And then, you know, if the all clear is there, then if that really is your, yeah, if you really are into chicks who look like meatloaf. Then I mean, <laughs> have if at that's, it. Yeah, if that's what you're going after, well, good job for him. So well, he scored. Well, well, well done. Maybe she looked different when he hired her. I don't well, think so. you know what? She looked different. She looked different in the in the photograph I saw on her uh, saw of her yesterday because it was that MySpace thing where she's looking up at the camera. Yeah, she's hiding the hiding, extra chins underneath. Hiding and, the hiding the Stretching the waddle uh-huh. to the point of tautness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, and that's why I hate those pictures because, yeah, it's clearly deceiving. Because I saw those other ones earlier too, and this is, uh, wow, yeah. quite a misrepresentation of what she actually is. No, she's like an oil slick with legs. Yes. Um. All right. And uh, final thing here in Ball Talk. You know those uh, lights that light up the bridges here in downtown Portland? You see them at night. You know, you'll see like different colors lighting yes. up the bridges. Okay. Well, apparently, you can buy a week's worth of lights for that for whatever you want, and so they they will light it in the colors of your choice. Well, University of Oregon is playing at the Huskies this weekend at UW, and apparently a group from UW has purchased the right to
to light the bridges this week, so you will notice they're lit in purple and gold. That is fantastic. Well done. Yeah, well done for them. That is infuriating. I like stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, good job for them. uh, That's thinking ahead. That's awesome. That is thinking ahead, and that is uh, definitely, they got one up on that. Well, that is like, that's how Microsoft just started putting, um, Microsoft just started putting Microsoft stores outside the entrances to every Apple store in the country. So if you go to an Apple store at a mall in most places now, you literally, you have to walk by within like three feet of a huge Windows and Microsoft display on the way in. And they're counting, and what their logic is that the people won't go into the store you know, they won't be waylaid on their way into the Apple Store, but what they're counting on is that people will go into the Apple Store, they will see the prices on all the Mac stuff, and they'll say, F that. They will turn around, they'll walk out, and they'll see a price tag that says six ninety nine ninety nine, And, you know, and then they'll get business that way. So you got to buy... You get what you pay for. Well, and final, final note on this. Apparently, Fox News is taken to doing this in Atlanta. We're right outside the CNN headquarters. If you work at any of the production offices at CNN Atlanta, when you look at your window, there's just a huge billboard that says that uh, Fox is beating CNN and everything. So... <laughs> I love CNN, but I also admire that kind of guerrilla marketing. Well done. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Coming up next, we have Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. More from Tim Riley. 7 o'clock, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. And uh, later on, a guy named Scott who guarded either Dick Van Patten or Michael Jackson. Or quite possibly neither. Stay there. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. I've never seen any of the Star Wars movies. Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show from MrSkin.com, the online celebrity nudity database. Our good friend, Mr. Skin himself. Good morning, sir. Hey, Rick. How's it going? Going fantastic, my friend. Uh, what is up in the world of breasts and butts? <laughs> well, Saw 6 opens in theaters this weekend, and this horror franchise has been great for horror movie fans, but for nudity fans, uh, not much there. And uh, the only one of the six that had nudity was Saw 3 when uh, an actress named Deb McCabe was in the shower. So no nudity this weekend in Saw 6, but uh, a very good franchise. One of the uh, cool things about it, though, I noticed that an actress that kind of went missing throughout most of the 90s and 2000s named Betsy Russell is has a role in this. She plays Jill in uh, Saw 6. And you might remember Betsy Russell from the movie Private School with Phoebe Cates. She's the one that was on the horseback and got her top ripped off. And I want to say, Rick, it was the greatest nude on horseback scene in movie history. So uh, it's good to know Betsy Russell's still around and uh, after a long absence. Uh, good to see her back, though she is not naked in Saw 6. Um, also on DVD this week, Sandra Bullock stars in The Proposal, and uh, 53 minutes in, she runs naked into Ryan Reynolds. Now, it's a PG-13 film, so the nudity here is very, very brief. In fact, we had to wait for the DVD to come out to confirm that we could see uh, butts on Sandra Bullock, but she's been very skingy in her career, so any nudity from Sandra is something to kind of celebrate. So now, the proposal get, is out on DVD this week. Do you even get like a side boob thing, or is it is it yeah, butt only? It's, it's butt. No. She's like hugging. She's so close to him, you can't make out boobs. So, yeah, it's, it's what are you going to do? But um, one of the things I know, uh, uh, real quick, uh, there's a movie, Grace, out on DVD this week, and uh, it's a, one of those baby from hell, Rosemary, Rosemary's Baby type of movies. And Jordan Ladd plays a mom 
trying to have this baby, and an hour and six minutes in, you could see her nude in bed. And Jordan Ladd is the daughter of Cheryl Ladd. Remember her, Chris Monroe from Charlie's Angels. And uh, always great when a, uh, a daughter of a famous mom gets naked. And uh, as you and I have talked about on Californication, Sunday night again, uh, Ava Amore, uh, the real-life daughter of Susan Sarandon, uh, was doing a, a lap dance for David Duchovny at the, at the uh, strip club. And I, I thought after week one, I had seen the greatest nude scene of the year, but uh, the, the second uh, week uh, it could have been just as good, if not better. So incredible nudity on Californication. I know I don't have to tell you that, but it's uh, uh, really blowing me away how great this uh, skin is from uh, Susan Sarandon's daughter, Ava Murray. I will say that I saw a photograph. It was just like a press photo from uh, some some film premiere or some event they were at. But it was uh, Susan Sarandon and Ava Moray posing next to, you know, just posing kind of back-to-back on the red carpet. And uh, it re- she really does have kind of an astonishing uh, resemblance to Susan Sarandon when Susan Sarandon was much, much younger. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It reminds me like back in her days when she was in like Atlantic City or Pretty Baby and all that. She looks like her from that era. Absolutely. As always, my friend, doing the Lord's work, we appreciate it. We will talk right, to you Rick. next week. All Take right. care. Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning. It is 649. It's going to be partly cloudy today. Highs near 60. Rain tomorrow. Well, here's an accident waiting to happen. The Gresham Police Department is recruiting ordinary citizens, just like you and I, to patrol the city. They already have 19 who have passed this nine-week how-to-be-a-policeman course. Now, as fun as all this sounds, you can't carry a gun. In Gresham. Hold on. I'm, I'm sorry. I just did a you thing. I had my microphone turned off and was wondering nobody was paying attention to me. Uh, so this is this is Justin Gresham? Yes. All right. First of all, how? Let's back up. For so one far, so far, <laughs> these aren't actual cops, though, right? No. So they, as Joe, they're Don- ordinary citizens, just like you and me. Except they're not just like you and me because they're being trained to do. What is it they're being trained to do exactly? Uh, to observe crime and report it to others. But can't I do that without it being trained? Can't I just look out the window of my neighborhood, say at any random moment? I suppose you could. Yes. And so, if they see a crime. This is what I was wondering about groups like if you, the people who, you know, if you like on the East Coast are familiar with that group, the Guardian Angels, which is oh, yeah. founded by this guy, Curtis Sliwa. And you would always see the Guardian Angels and they have these sort of, I don't know, they look like they're... French headed, berets. And they look like they're headed to a skating rink, don't they? It's like the, the red satin jackets and berets, which I guess are supposed to look badass, but really they just, they, it just looks like they've, like there's some, like they didn't make the cut to be cast in the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I always wonder kind of what their deal is. Like, they're not, as Joe Don Baker would say in Cape Fear, uh, I guess it wasn't Joe Don Baker, I guess it was Robert De Niro when he says, are you a cop or were you a cop? Or were you not good enough to be on the force? Because that's the feeling I'm getting. So what is it you're supposed to do if you're one of these uh, folks that you couldn't, that like Sarah and I couldn't do, like today? I don't know. They, they train you, I guess, to be more observant and remember details of things. So you can report it to others. Well, if I can't carry a gun or use it on people, then what is the point of that? That's what I said. As fun as it sounds, you can't have a gun. And that also raises the question of the citizen's arrest, which is a thing I always wonder. See, I always wonder if that citizen's arrest is a thing you can actually do. I think you can, yes. See, but but are we just saying that, though, because we've heard about it forever and you've seen it shown no, and it, depicted it in movies? I think you can. Yeah. So I've never I, seen it done. So can I Can I just go restrain uh, anybody who uh, I believe has committed a crime? Like if you see somebody litter, you can, like, grab them and call the police, maybe? Yeah, or I mean, like, if you just... How about if there's somebody sleeping on your porch? Well, or what if you just what if you just had reason to believe that somebody had committed a crime of some nature? Yes. Like, in other words, what if, you know, some guy, and I'm really just making this up. But oh, you could get sued, though. But what if they... But see, but could you? Sure. Why can't they sue you? 
Well, because false you, arrest. But if you but but it's not false arrest as such. In other words, you're not charging them with anything. You are just saying that you believe that there you know that there is reason to believe you have a reasonable, well grounded suspicion that they might have committed a crime and that it warrants further investigation. I don't know. We live in a very litigious society. I would stay away from that. We do. Well, I'm not saying I'm going to do it. Well, well, that's like these people in Gresham. These, these uh, 19 folks. That they, wouldn't you want to talk to one of these 19 people this, who has probably listening. gone through? Hello, if you're one of these 19 people in Gresham who has been qualified to be a what? Is there a name for this? No. All right. Well, if you're going to be some busybody blue hair spying on your neighbors like some armed to the teeth Gladys Kravitz, call us and let us know because I'd like to know what your motivation is, especially if you are not allowed to carry a weapon. Because in Gresham, anybody that you're going to go cause trouble with is probably going to have 15 or 16 knives on their person. And I would imagine a fair amount of guns in their car. So you really are taking your life in your hands anytime you try to make the world a better place. An American medical response Northwest paramedic is accused of groping another woman in an ambulance. This is the eighth lawsuit against Laney Hazard. This time the victim is deaf and can hardly speak. But she was able to claim that Hazard touched her in the bosom and swimsuit areas. Hazard is already doing five years time for molesting other ambulance passengers. So uh, what's today's Heaney show? Well, the Heaney's, these are the balloon people, had uh, done, I guess, a pilot for this program, it was called Box Time, and uh, it has a catchy theme song. And once you hear it, uh, you're going to be singing along with it all day. Is this the show where it's just teaching kids how to make things out of cardboard boxes? Right, because that's what they had around the garage. So, that, what do we have in here that we can make a pilot out of <laughs> what is and, and recruit some kids to do really bad lip syncing? What will today's television pilot be? They hear this is the theme song. Oh God. Is this also the Heenies singing here? I believe so. They're not really in tune with each other. No, they're really, uh, they're not. What's astonishing, though, is how these, and I mean this with with all sincerity, that the production values on these videos is actually not all that bad. No, it's not all that bad. I bet that must be because they lived in L.A., though, where they had access to, you know, it's like every third person you know is, you know, working at some video production company somewhere. So let's see uh, what old friends hate the Heenies today. Uh, here's uh, one person who claims he's one of Richard Heaney, uh, Heaney's old friends. Does Richard Heaney have a violent past? Yes. Very aggressive. Very forceful. Very pushy. You're not my wife. You're a man's nightmare. The obnoxious, loud, belligerent guy. I need to clear my throat because I've got lots of phlegm when I talk. When you saw the interviews with Richard and Mayumi and the children, what what did you think? Scumbag. Filthy, dirty, rotten scumbag. Clear your throat! Jesus, God, or cut down on the dairy before you give interviews. I hate that. I hate that. I hate that more than I can possibly explain. Because it makes it impossible. It makes it difficult for me to listen to sound bites from people who have... What is is that like a medical thing? What is up with people who constantly have that, that thing going on in the back of their throat when they talk? Is this is that some sort I of? I think that's smoking, isn't it? No, no, I don't it think it's that. It can be from lots of different things, I believe. Is that? It sounds like a smoker's voice. A smoker's voice when you get a rasp. That sounds like he needs to do like a little. <coughs> <coughs> you know, it sounds like the verbal equivalent. Here's the thing that I hate, and I think I speak for everybody here. When somebody's talking and they get that white spittle in the corner of their mouth, oh, and we've is, all been at like a lecture or, and it's always a place where you can't leave, right? 
It's always like when you're there and like the boss brings some dick in to stand at the front of the room and talk to you about the, you know, here's how we're going to become a more people-oriented company in the new year. Slide, please. Wrong slide. <laughs> Go back one. Go back two. Is where they lock you in a room with some guy doing a nine-hour PowerPoint presentation about things that don't matter because half the people in the room are going to be fired by the time you get institute any, you know, any of them. And the other half of the people in the room are going to have forgotten those things by the time the next day's lunch comes around. Look at the stick figure scratching its head. And so there will always be a guy at the front of the room, and he gets the little white buildup in the corner of his mouth, and you just desperately... Well, I'm bringing it up to exercise That's the gross. image out of my head. Well, because they because it's not too long ago, and it wasn't here, it was somewhere else. I was sitting there, and there's a guy talking, and he's going on, and you just want someone to sort of stop him and go, hold on just a second, you got a little... And just sort of wipe it away just oh to get God. rid of it. Oh, God, don't even talk about touching it. No, I, uh, here's the thing, though. I would completely... I would, I would bite that bullet. I would I would take oh. the hit of going up and daubing it away myself just to be rid of it, you know? And also just to point it out. Next time we talk about your feet. Yes, yes, we can. Uh. Because you wonder if they're aware of it. You know what I mean? Like, they, they, has no one ever, people who do that, has no one ever pointed out to them that that is a thing that occurs with their mouth when they speak? Are they oblivious to it? Or is it just a thing they've decided is a charming character trait? I'm just saying. You know, I'm going to make a little vow to myself right now. I guess the music means it's time for you to stop. I'm t I'm turning over a new leaf, Tim. Yes. The next time I see someone have, have that happen, I'm going to point it out. And uh, then I'll report back. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week next. More of the Rick Emerson Show in mere moments. Only on Rock 101. KUFO. KUFO Portland. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 and KUFO. Thank you for joining us today. It is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101. Coming up at uh, 720 this morning, we'll have Food Porn with Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Hello, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Hey there. How's How it going? Are you today? I'm doing wonderful. In uh, just a moment, we will find out what is in the new issue of said paper. Coming up at 8 o'clock, we have uh, a guy named Scott who... Now, I was looking at the page. Is it... I can never tell Jason Priestley and Luke Perry apart. Who's who? Uh, Luke Perry's Dylan McKay, is aka that, the hot one. It, and is, Jason Priestley played Brandon Walsh, who was uh, Brenda Walsh's twin sister. Is it Jason? Brother. Is it Jason Priestley who's on the front page of the, on this guy's website where he's standing next to him? That's Jason Priestley. Okay, and you did find a picture of this Scott guy it's with like Michael the, Jackson. It's like the grainiest, crappiest picture ever. But it's like it's been scanned in from an old newspaper, mm -hmm. and and it doesn't entirely look real. I'm not saying it's fabricated, of course. I'm just. No, it, I found the full article, and it really? is in fact a big picture, and it says you know Michael Jackson on the bottom. And it, but it, so he's. Wait a minute, does it identify this other guy, though? So at 8 o'clock, we're talking to a guy who, he's, he's pitching himself as Michael Jackson's former bodyguard. Does the article or the picture to the caption, anything, does it identify him as Michael Jackson's bodyguard, or is he even referenced? No. Could Actually, he it doesn't. Been, so he could just be some creepy lurker guy. Could he have been some guy who was just sort of running by and, like, stopped, like, John Cusack in, uh, in Say Anything style to get himself, like, caught in the photo with Jackson? I don't think you'd be able to get yourself that close to Jackson. That's a good point, actually, because the real bodyguard like, would probably beat your ass. Yeah, and this is, like, when you could tell, like, because it's pre, like, when he's totally, completely messed up his face. Like, this All is right. when he was in his prime. Okay, fair point. Well, I'm sure you'll get to the bottom of it anyway. Well, I wondered if it was, like, well, because, you know, our friend Joni did this thing with Will Wheaton. Wheaton was in town. He was at Powell's and he was selling that book of his. You know, and the deal with those guys always, you got to buy the book, and then you got to stand in line with the book to have him autograph it. And maybe, depending on who it is, like, they'll autograph other stuff. But, like, at the bare minimum, 
they want to autograph the book, and it can't be like a ver- like a copy of the book you got somewhere else. Like you have to buy it there and then stand in line. And she was just like, you know, I just, you know, it's like twenty nine bucks or whatever. She's like, I'm not going to buy the book, but I want to get my photo with him. So there's this in existence, this hilarious picture of Joni where she's doing that forced perspective thing, where she's standing in the like in the foreground. And he's way in the background, but she's crouching to kind of make it look like they're all the same size. And it's, just, and it's not convincing at all, but it's kind of all the more hilarious for that. So, in any event, that's uh, coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. This guy who may or may not have been uh, Michael Jackson's bodyguard. Let's pay a brief visit to the news desk with your personal savior, Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. It is 710. It's going to be mostly cloudy today. Highs near 60. Rain coming in tomorrow. Liberal City Commissioner Nick Fish is unhappy about the city's homeless camping ban. He thinks they should be able to do so. And now he wants to change the ordinance to allow homeless people to set up tents and tarps in the city at night. Really? Let's find out Nick Fish's address and have the homeless go live right in front of his house. If anybody knows Nick Fish's address, call us right now and tell us what it is. That's exactly what we need downtown. And then after they take away the parking space. Seriously, F him. That's what I say. I mean, F him... I was trying to figure out whether I meant that literally or figuratively, but I guess it all depends on what kind of mood I'm in at the moment. So at the moment, we'll uh, we'll say figuratively. But the, really, I mean, this is uh, is this the same group of like the gaggle of homeless folks, the rather fragrant group of individuals yes, that's been in front well. of City Hall downtown? Mm-hmm. All right. I think it was George Carlin uh, who made the observation that it's such a weird ethereal uh, thing, too, that we're solving the problem of, of homelessness because a home is sort of a... A home is sort of a vague sort of philosophical concept. It really is just houselessness. It's just just a house somewhere. or It's gross. Or a place right near Nick Fish, perhaps. Yes. Here's Tim Riley. An employee down at Boyett's Grove is being treated for minor injuries after he was bitten by a Z-donk. <laughs> this is a zebra-donkey hybrid. Uh-huh. He was painting the perimeter fence around the Z-donk. Where is this at? Uh, down at uh, Boyett's Grove. Which is where? Off of Spring Lake Highway. None of this helps me out at all. Is this in Oregon? Is this in America? We don't know. It is in America. This is, let's try to narrow it down. Is this in the Northwest somewhere? We don't know that either. This is like when you mentioned what Josephine County yesterday, and I realized that I'd never heard of place. it. Well, I knew it's where the Grant's Z- Pass is. Right. This could very well be in Josephine County. All well, right. anyway, the Z-Donk put its snow through the fence and bit the painter on the foot. And now Z-Donk is being quarantined. I don't believe Z-Donk is a scientifically accepted term. I, this may be a sort of loose interpretation of how you identify how, that animal. How How's does, it spelled? Oh. How does that unholy union happen? I mean, where is a zebra just walking there where it someone happens for to everyone, just... The zebra the was asking war. for it. Yeah, obviously. I mean, all zebras are. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, you it's know. clear. It's, it's capital Z, small e, large donk. No, I, I don't. No, no, that, that, that no, that's made up. I does, are, do. We have a photograph of said Z donk. We do not. I can go looking for it. I didn't look for it. I didn't know you'd ask for it. Being, I, a, I thought you would take me at my word. No, this story, is, this story is useless without pictures. <laughs> being attacked by a Z donk, it sounds like you're like you're being set upon by some text based nineteen eighties computer game. You know what I mean? All right, enter Z donk, a world of caves and treasures. Walk forward. Yes, no. A Vancouver family. And Vancouver in general finally have something to be proud of. An Evergreen High School senior is among 97 kids, none from the Northwest, he's the only one, who will perform at the U.S. Army All-American Marching Band football game. Now, is this game televised? I mean, is this like a big... I would imagine so. Isn't everything on TV? Well, I I guess, but I mean, is this... uh, In other words, because I'm not enough of a sports fan, Greg could probably answer this. So what is the actual game... 
in which he is performing. He's not playing, but he's playing. The, he's, this is he's during in the band. an army football game. So Greg, I is guess that a big they would deal? Play the Navy, wouldn't they? Uh, well, if it's the Army Navy game, yeah, that's a pretty big deal. But I think uh, that's what this is. Yeah, I mean, neither team is really good, but that is a big military thing. Like, but if you were a trombone it's a, player, it's a, wouldn't you be pleased? It's to be a big playing honor. It? Yeah, it's a really? big honor to play. It. Is it going to be? He'll be inducted into the Vancouver Trombone uh, Player Hall of Fame. Yeah, I'm not sure. Is this the, this is the, what's his name? His name is Calvin or something? His name is uh, Calvin Gorman. He is the only student from the Northwest to have this honor, and he is a trombone player. See, so my question, we were talking about this kid earlier, and I, I was wondering why in 2009, it, when you entered high school, why you would set aside valuable hours of your life that you will never get back to learn the trombone. It could be the only instrument left. Yeah, the, the maybe, but I mean, it's I, you, I just don't Sometimes understand. You, you get stuck with things you don't want. Like, I remember when I was in school, we all had to pick a state to write to do a report on it. <laughs> Well, I was the last one to choose, and Mississippi was the only state left. <laughs> so I was stuck doing a report on Mississippi, and I had to write to Mississippi to get Mississippi information. Oh, I don't people get, like, default instruments a little bit. Maybe he, maybe he wanted to play the trombone. See, There's but, nothing wrong with it. See, but I dispute that, because that's, uh, the, 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 we were talking about, uh, about this earlier. We'll, kind of, we'll visit this on the other side. We'll get uh, Kelly Clark's observations on this. But <laughs> I think the bottom line for me is that... Just the, because you personally don't favor the trombone, it doesn't mean everyone has the same feeling. You have a weird disproportionate defense of the trombone. Where did uh, this trombone today? prejudice come from? It's not a trombone. Did a trombone assault you? No, no, no. It's like not a trombone I prejudice. I think with one. I have, no, I have no problem. This is not mischaracterized. This is something uh, else. I have no problem with Calvin or the fact that he is pursuing a life of being a happy trombonist. These, these, you know. And, and by the way. This is a free country. One is allowed to do what one, one wishes. While you were talking, I went to look for the Z-Donk. I haven't found it, but I have found a Zonky. Okay. That's so much better. Oh, it's amazing looking. That That is a zonky, not a Z-dunk. Moving forward, on the other side, we'll uh, talk to Kelly Clark from Willamette. And, we'll, and, uh, and I'll explain my whole my whole take on this, uh, the, the, the trombone thing. We'll get Kelly's thoughts. We have some... Sarah and I were speculating about what your high school like uh, life might have been like, Kelly. <laughs> we have uh, we have some guesses, and we're going to uh, find out if we're correct. I found the, the Z-dunk. <gasps> hey there, back after this, live from Portland. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. The Rick Emerson Show returns. This is Rock 101 KUFO. Here, this map is going to be your guide to North Shore. Now, where you sit in the cafeteria is crucial because you got everybody there. You got your freshmen, ROTC guys, preps, JV jocks, Asian nerds, cool Asians. Varsity jocks, unfriendly black hotties, girls who eat their feelings, girls who don't eat anything, desperate wannabes, burnouts, sexually active band geeks, the greatest people you will ever meet, and the worst. Beware of the plastic. What is so dangerous about a character like Ferris Bueller is he gives good kids bad ideas. Uh-huh. Last thing I need at this point in my career is 1,500 Ferris Bueller disciples running around these halls. He jeopardizes my ability to effectively govern this student body. Well, makes you look like an ass is what he does, Ed. Thank you, Grace. I think you're wrong. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The Spartos, the Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, Kids. They all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Here's the thing. I realized during this break that there's something 
I never really put together until just now when she was talking about the uh, sexually active band nerds or whatever. Sexually that's, active band geeks. That's from that's from Mean Girls, right? Yes, the greatest movie ever. <laughs> and when she said that, and then Edie McClurg when talking to uh, to what's his name in Ferris Bueller's Day Off there, when she says, you know, they all adore him, da 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 da, and she says sluts, bloods, whatever. It occurred to me that the first girl I ever made out with was actually a band nerd herself. I mean, even though I was not. It was sort of a, it was a cross town. It was like a Tony Maria kind of a thing. Um, we were at some, uh, th- th- we were at the, uh, th- some party somewhere. And she was kind of this, uh, I don't know, she was like this kind of chunky blonde girl, whatever. And I've told this story before how I had like the, I had the, like the, the, long, the long, lustrous suburban hair uh, that was sort of badly cut and kind of mullety and whatever. Um, you know, but that's, that's enough for the easily impressed in Kennewick. Um, but she was, she was this sort of band girl just the, the, the laden in, in, the, in, in, the, with acid wash uh, clothing. And I realized later on that probably, I don't know, maybe, maybe two or three, um, sort of guys that I knew, it wasn't with the same girl, but two or three guys that I knew had all had some, uh, you know, some initial sort of the quasi uh, sexual experience with a girl from band. So maybe there is something there. So when I was kind of, I didn't mean to sound like I was busting on poor Calvin for playing the trombone. Look, whatever, you know, whatever you want to do, the match, it's your life, friend. But I was wondering what would sort of bring you initially into the I must play trombone camp. Because it doesn't really seem like it's a road to anything else in your life. I mean, unless you're like the one out of, you know, it's like, it's like deciding that you, uh, you're going to grow up and become the poet laureate. I mean, that doesn't really ever work for anybody. That works for one person every 30 years. So of all the things you could do in high school in terms of, you know, extracurricular, you know, stuff, whether going into drama, going into sports or playing the xylophone. Like when I see a guy who's holding the tuba or something in the high school band, I just assume that's a guy who's been shoved into music class by his parents, and he has actually no ideas or self-esteem of his own, which is why the teacher can saddle him with an unpopular instrument, right? Because everybody else, like, grabs drums and guitar, and then the, uh, you know, then the music teacher says, and we need somebody to play the oboe. You, Johnson, you're going to play the oboe. And then he just goes, okay. So know? maybe it isn't learning the instrument. Maybe it's just learning the discipline of how to play the instrument. That is spoken by somebody who took a lot of high school music classes. Did you take high Were you in band? No. You, that, see, that surprises me. See, I figured your parents would have uh, would have no, had you I, I had learning forced, musical instruments. I had forced piano lessons. Oh, man. Was, yeah. Boy, piano lessons. You want to talk about a thing that everybody... Here's the truth about piano lessons. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week is here as well. Yes. Hello, Kelly. Hello there. Here's an eternal uh, verity about piano lessons. Everybody had to take them. Everybody hated them. About three quarters of us quit them. All of us wish we had continued them. Oh, that's absolutely. the thing. That is like a, that you, where you just want them to like matrix that into your head with the I know kung fu. You want to be able to play the piano. No one wants to take piano lessons ever. Well, my teacher smelled like soup, and so I had to quit. Really? I mean, yeah. And my hands are freakishly small. Look at their koala hands, and so I couldn't span the keys, and I got very angry. And uh, I used this. It was really my own hangups about my hands that really did me in. But I blamed it on the soup smell. Did you have like a Lisa Simpson thing where at a certain point they just told you, "Look, your your fingers are just too stubby to ever really fly at this instrument." Lisa. I kind of had a talk with her about that. She's like, "You're going to have to work extra hard, and you're going to hop. You're going to have to hop skip the keys, the keys because you cannot span them." <laughs> I was like, Kelly, "You smell like." Beef barley soup. Goodbye. We hate to inform you that your T Rex arms are going to render you completely hapless at the piano for the rest of your life. See, I have the opposite so sorry problem. About my, that. my fingers are freakishly long. Yeah, look at this. I look like a balloon that hasn't been blown up all the way. <laughs> nah. No, you don't. That's true. <laughs> That's actually a direct quote from my husband. And what's with those deep folds around your eyes, Kelly? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, so Sarah and I were we were talking about this whole high school thing earlier and about how see now does the does the sorting for high school. 
I went to a Catholic school, though, so my I'm so uh, I have no sense of how this works, like in the real world. Because in high school, you're all basically just shoved into the same uniform and the same kind of behavior and the whatever. But there's like the social sorting hat. Does that get put on you, like when you're in kindergarten? You know, whether you're going to end up as like, uh, you know, like a band nerd or like a, a drama nerd or like a goth or a whatever. Like, it, does it, I mean, are kids already on that path when they're like in grade or middle no, school? Uh, social, yeah, I think the the social start, start, excuse me, sorting starts to happen in junior high. That's really? Because that's when you can jump groups if you want to be cruel enough. I mean, you can be a perfectly nice, you know, grade school girl, and if you want to be mean enough. You can switch social groups, and if not, then you know. Yeah, between like you stay in the geeks. Yeah. So I have this theory about I think uh, about high school and about how you know and how people sort of develop and you know who you are in high school as opposed to who you are in the in the, you know in the rest of your life. So what we're going to do here is uh, we'll take a break. We'll get caught up. We'll come back. We'll do uh, food porn with Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. More news from Tim. Before we do that, though. I think uh, Greg, Sarah, and myself, and Tim, if he feels so inclined, although as a newsman, he may wish to stay objective and above the fray here. Uh, Greg and Sarah, and myself, as we go into the break, I think we should write down what high school group we believe Kelly belonged to, uh, and then oh, nice. when we come back. We will re- we will reveal our guesses, which will be unknown to each other. Like what clubs we thought she was a part uh, of? Clubs and or social group, because often but not always those things are intertwined. Okay, uh, you know, because if you're like if you're uh, you know like if you're in the, the the debate class, obviously you're you're in the you know the, or the debate class. If you're in the drama class, you know you're in the drama club. Usually you're in the you, know, you're, you do like drama performances. So I mean, I think it's you know, and and by telling you just now that I was in the debate team, you obviously know what social group I belong to. I mean, I was at the absolute bottom of the. I mean. Obviously. It was like, it's like that thing in SLC Punk where Matthew Lillard is talking about who beats up on who. You know, and he goes, the bikers beat up on the cowboys, and the cowboys beat up on the metal dudes, and everybody beats up on the hippies. Everybody beats up on the debate dorks. So that lets you know exactly where I, uh, what social strata uh, I belonged in. So we will write down our guesses about Kelly Clark and uh, <laughs> what high school groups you, uh, you were a member of or floated between. Oh, and man. we will reveal our guesses and the truth on the other side. And we'll have uh, another installment of Food Porn. And we'll find out what's in this uh, week's uh, issue of uh, Well, I'm a Week. Tim Riley with more news coming up at 8 o'clock. Scott Cummings, who may or may not have been a bodyguard for Dick Van Patten and or Michael Jackson. And a pair of tickets for you to see the sold-out Pussifer show at the Roseland. Be listening for that. The Rick Emerson Show continues next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Rick Emerson Show. On Rock 101, KUFO. Share your thoughts. We'd like to glean it from your brain. Your tasty, tasty brain. The Rick Emerson Show returns. It's really hard to think today. This is Rock 101, KUFO. And good morning to you. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101, KUFO. Greg just asked us if we wanted to interview Jenna Elfman. Yes, please. Believe me when I say that, I honestly don't know the answer to that. I you have to, you have to. We have to bring back the thing where you have to work in like five mystery phrases. Oh, right. She's to, like totally crazy. So we, we did this bit once upon a time where I would be given five nonsense phrases, such as, you know, it's like an aluminum uh, siding section covered in peanut butter. And then I would just have to work five of those into the interview. And if I could, then I would win something or other. Jenna Elfman, that was really, I mean, that would be the only reason to, like, what would I possibly ask her? I didn't even know she was you still alive. You should just alive. ask her nothing but Scientology questions. Is she a Scientologist? I don't even I'm, know anything about I'm her. I'm pretty oh, sure she is. No, she is a hardcore Scientologist. Like, <laughs> really? really yeah, it's good that they've really, been able to make her career flourish the way they have. Clearly, they're all powerful. Yeah, she apparently, like, attacked somebody. I remember reading about this that made fun of Scientology, like, on the street. Really? Made fun of it, yeah, to her face, and she, like, hit this guy or something like that. Uh, this is oh. sounding a lot better now. 
Yeah. You know, I've started to do this thing whenever I'm at Lloyd Center and I walk by the thing where they have, you know, they, the deal where they have the people hold the paint cans or whatever, and they, you know, I just stop and Wait, I hold the paint cans. You know what it is that j- that jive where they have you hold the the, the cylinders. Oh, the emu. And there's thing. always some sad looking guy sitting there slouched over like he's been given like the lowest possible rung in the Scientology job ladder. We want you to go sit by an ice skating ring and uh, and be mocked by people. And those people include me, by the way, because my whole thing is I don't even, you know, I like I got better things to do than go cause a ruckus with the Scientology. Folks, I mean that's a. You don't need to work to make their lives unpleasant. That's a sort of you know that's a that's a the beginning is the end kind of a thing. So I just kind of stop and I look at them and then I'll sort of shake my head sadly and just kind of walk away. But the the thing about Jenna Elfman is I forgot that she even existed until I think it was a couple weeks ago when we have ads for some sitcom she's doing. Yeah, it was like uh, like I'm having a baby and I'm a cougar. She's she's on a show called Accidentally on Purpose. Ah, I see. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? Use your own judgment there. Yes. Booker, don't uh, Booker. Yes. I don't I really care. I, I uh, yes. yeah. Maybe we could. Is... Yeah. I, I mean, we could bring back the yeah the phrase thing because I have no. If you're going to ask me if I have some compelling desire, like, Carrot Top is your best friend. I remember you. <laughs> <that in. laughs> Maybe we can ask her about Kirstie Alley. See if they hang out a lot. At, uh, you know, or whatever. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one five zero three two two eight four one zero one. Coming up at the top of the hour, we will talk to uh, Scott Cummings, bodyguard to the stars, possibly including <laughs> Michael Jackson. Maybe it really is hard to determine because there's just this one sort of like really weird, grainy kind of Zapruder-esque uh, shot of him with Michael Jackson that may or may not be real. At the moment, we are here with uh, Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Before we talk about uh, the new issue, and we get into the issue. Uh, uh, before we talk about uh, the new issue of Willamette Week, and we get into this uh, week's installment of Food Form, uh-huh. we have this whole the thing going about high school and about high school types and groups and cliques and whatever, all based on this kid from Vancouver, Washington, who's going to be playing the trombone on the, the, the Army-Navy football game. It's like his one, his one moment of ragged glory on television. And just so I could, for purposes of clarification, because now I'm getting emails from people who are like, I know Calvin, and he's a great guy, and I don't understand why you're making fun. I'm not making fun. My only question was... When you enter high school, I can see pursuing certain kinds of activities because you think they will lead to eventual glory or popularity or some girl will put out for you or whatever, like acting. I don't understand why you would ever pick the trombone. And I think Greg nailed it actually during the break when he said that Greg was in band and they tried, they shoved the clarinet on him. What did you want to play in band? I wanted to play saxophone. That was the cool instrument to play. That's what I wanted. But there were too many saxophone players and, and too many people wanting to, uh, wanting to play saxophone. So the band teacher would convince different parents that, oh, no, saxophone's not so cool. You, your son should play clarinet. He's a prodigy. Clarinet's much better. Yeah. And so but- that's how he whittled out too many players for <laughs> saxophone. So I'm, I'm thinking trombone. Bone is like that with trumpet, because probably everybody wanted to play trumpet. No, there's too many trumpet players. No, you'd be way better at trombone. See, and there's a... And there's well, the trombone a, is kind of cool, because that's one with the thing. See, right? but yeah, I was just going to say that that's a subtle distinction. I would say the trombone is not cool, even, even but the trumpet is. You don't for, look trumpet cool playing it, but it sounds cooler. cool. Yeah, yeah. But, for re, but see, but if you, if you don't look cool playing it, what is the point? Especially if you're a horny teenage boy, which he undoubtedly is. <laughs> horny? So, <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, it's like, like the saxophone. Probably not cool now, uh, but perhaps cool then. And Greg and I are about the same age, so there's a little bit of that John Cusack, uh, you know, serenading the hot French girl in Better Off Dead uh, thing going on. But I, you know, but if you're playing the trombone, when I picture a guy playing a trombone, you know, a guy in like a fez in a bad, like in some sort of like, uh, some sort of like Z grade Columbus Day parade happening somewhere outside of Brooklyn. You know what I mean? And he looks like your dad and he's got thick ass glasses. See, and I picture a jazz club. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, I, I picture a parade. <laughs> right. Maybe you should get this kid to report back from the Army Navy game. Maybe see how much tail he gets from us. Uh... <laughs>
We should, we should, that's the first thing we should ask him. <laughs> Tell us about your underage sex. Oh, so aren't we going to pick what we thought Kelly was? So going into the break, uh, oh, yeah. we uh, cast our guesses for what uh, high school group and or club Kelly Clark from Willamette Week probably uh, belonged to when she was in high school. And Kelly is preemptively blushing. Uh, I'll start here. <laughs> I will say I had a type and I had a club. Um, Me too. And and I didn't, I mean, this may seem like an obvious choice, but I just, I guess that you were uh, that you were on the high school newspaper. Uh, that is correct. All right, I that's so. one in the win for Rick Emerson. A writer's club or journalist. All right, excellent. And as far as type, now this is a little, I mean, this is a little strange. This is kind of an involved uh, explanation here. <laughs> but I, I don't know what you would even call this kind of person, but I said that in high school, you were, um, in high school, you were probably a hot girl who could have been popular, but instead stayed a dorky uh, loser <laughs> because you did not realize that you had become hot. So I don't know what you call chicks like that, though. You know what I mean? Where it's like the like the hot girl who doesn't realize she's become hot, and so she stays like a retard because she doesn't realize. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you know, it's like girls who don't realize that it's between age whatever and age whatever they they you know they, you know they they blossomed and they could have become you know more popular than they were, and so they just stayed at the social level they were at. Okay. I mean, you know, which is sort of like the Winona Ryder and Heather's thing, you know, where she's there with Betty Finn, even mm -hmm. though she really didn't have to be. So you, uh, that was my guess. So that did turn out to be complimentary after all. Yeah, yeah no, it turned out to be complimentary. No, it is. It's that it's okay. the like you is that you were a dorky girl who could have been popular but didn't realize it. Okay, and Sarah, do you want to do yours before I? Yes, I, I reveal the truth. I thought that you might have been in drama club. Okay, and that you were a stoner. Okay. Oh, that's the stoner thing. Totally yes. Mm -hmm. Drama, no. But uh, you were a stoner. You were completely. I wasn't a stoner. A stoner. I was really a good girl. No, I, I, I just uh, no, not till college. I, I was never a stoner. Were you in drama? I wasn't, but I was the dance. I was a dance team captain. Ah, <laughs> yes. well so done. Rick nailed it, except for the fact that I did. I stayed with. I was on newspaper staff. I was the features editor. I was in journalism. I was in natural helpers, and I was this dork girl. But natural then, helpers. Wait a minute, I was what, a natural helper. Wait a minute. Helpers. What are natural? Why does that sound familiar? What were the natural helpers? It's in like you're, it's like a it's like a counseling group where like you're oh, like right. a trusted kids like, person talking that, to kids. kids. Yeah, kids talking to kids. But I never talked to anyone. So yeah, so I was super nerdy, and I had all my friends still like the non mean girls from junior high and, and grade school. But then every night I would put on spandex and sparkles and go dance for an entire high school worth of people. And all the girls on dance team were just heinous, heinous, evil, evil girls. Right. So um, I think that probably keep, kept me grounded. Is uh, Yeah, so I was wearing like these ridiculous outfits that were just wholly inappropriate for any high school girl. But then I would go like cover up and go be on newspapers. All right, for the record, let's note that uh, Rick Emerson yeah, was I, completely accurate in his estimation. Greg, what I did you... I only had like uh, two dates in high school. Well, see, yeah. this is why... That, yeah, that, see, that's a, see, you're totally the I, nerdy with the glasses and the hair up and the, you know, and then later like... like in... Uh, she's all that or whatever where like the, she was still wearing the glasses seriously i mean yeah. that's, that's but exactly like, but what you my are. secret was out because i was wearing like spandex which is you know, you know doesn't what? leave a lot to the imagination so omg do you know what you are <laughs> you are no 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 seriously you are either uh, there's no way to say this without sounding creepy i was going to say that i was going to compare <laughs> you to that teacher in varsity blues it's a stripper but that's wrong um you're like <laughs> You're you're like some non felonious version of that movie Angel that came out uh, many years back about how she's like uh, you know she's a, like a math student by day, high price call girl by night, except less call girl, more dance. But yeah, you're like that. It and was it was kind of exactly like that. And daytime I, Kelly, my nighttime entire, Kelly. I didn't really have any religion. My entire religion was based on B movies and teen movies. So I assumed if I dated anyone who played a sport, they would either rape.
rape me or, you know, <laughs> I would get pregnant immediately or I would lose, you know, my my scholarship to college. So I never dated anybody. I like that you put I never rape and losing <laughs> college money at, yeah, like exactly. in the same. Your mind first goes to rape, you go to dark yeah. places. Well, no, because I was just like, well, obviously football players are just evil. You know, it might cost me purely, money or my own. Daytime TV. Shake my cakes and spandex in front of them. Yeah, exactly. This is what I'm talking about. So I had this weird schism where I was a complete nerd exhibitionist. So I, I still was a complete dork. And so yeah, so like I hung out with newspaper kids and well, see that's kind of about weird actually. Books and actually, it's exactly what I do now. Oh my god. Oh, see, this is it's <laughs> sort of bizarre actually. You know, now that you before we get to what Greg's yeah. just wrap this whole sort of thing up, it's strange that you talk about being like undercover nerd or undercover you know hot girl like whichever however you want to put it I wasn't hot but well, you know what I mean but like, you're, but you have like the you know like the you know you're, you have as you put it the wholly inappropriate uh, you know outfit for the high school girl and you're dancing at night which does make it sound like you're a stripper and you're yeah. not but you're but you're doing these Maybe at night college. you're doing this like and I really dancing was fond of flash dance yeah thing and this sort of like uh, you know presumably revealing outfit and then during the day you're just like you know you're back to being a nerd yeah it is kind of weird in a way because that was that was with with less uh, spangles. That was sort of my thing because I was on because I was on the radio in high school, but nobody knew it. Mm-hmm. Um, because for whatever reason, I think it because I thought it preserved my mystique that I was there was this top forty station in Kennewick, and it was the station that you know the whatever that the high school kids listened to, and I was and I was on the station. I was their nighttime guy, but nobody at high school except for a couple of my friends knew about it. And uh, so I would go to school during the day, and I would just be a tool, you know, uh, uh, surprisingly. And then I would get done with school. I would go home. I would sleep for a couple hours, and then I would go to work. And, like, you know, it was weird as I would actually – I remember being at work, like, uh, you know, d- d- you know, being my uh, nighttime DJ self and answering the request lines. And every now and again, like, one of the hot girls from one of my classes would actually <laughs> call the request line. And it was the weirdest thing because she would have no idea that she was talking to some, like, gangly, pimply-faced uh, loser that she would actually ignore most of the time during the day, which I, I never really thought about until just now how weird that is. Uh, well, you were basically pump up the volume with less helicopters and police. And, <laughs> yes, and with less being 25 and pretending and that pretending I was 17. And pretending that. Uh, Greg, what were your uh, guesses about Kelly's uh, high school <laughs> affiliations? Well, at this point, I don't know. I was going to say definitely yearbook club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Dirt, Yearbook Club. Plastic, and yes. as far as the group, I was going to say, I couldn't really pinpoint an actual group. I think she might have been. I don't know how big was your high school. Uh, not too big. I went to Milwaukee High School, the alma mater of uh, Tanya Harding. Okay, I think that it's gives you a probably one. small enough that you could bounce around in different groups and still be kind of the friend of everyone type of thing. Friend of several groups. I was friend of several groups, but the popular girls hated me. Okay. Hated me because did you do exposés about them in the school paper? No, no. I was timid and I I was a good girl. Like I got really good grades and I was a dork and liked to read and liked to write and then happened to like to shake my ass in front of high school men, you know, at night. So it they just hated me and I could never figure out why and then finally I had like a like a teacher pull me aside one day and said this doesn't matter once you get to college you will be very happy and you know but keep on with the uh, keep on with the ass shaking there. Keep on all with right. the ass shaking. I'm so. also stuck in this thing where you think all football players are going to rape you. No, that's no, true. This was only no, my that's fresh- a scientific. Oh fact. no, no, no! But this that's was only my true. freshman year. I was allowed. <laughs> it was only my freshman year, and this is from every like high school, you know, like cautionary tale ever. After that, once you're a sophomore, it's perfectly fine because the it only happens when you're a freshman. What better way to segue into <laughs> this week's installment of food porn with uh, Kelly Clark yeah. from Eleven Week? I want you to imagine Porky Pig. His fat, smiling little face. And then I want you to take a knife and I want you to slice off both of his cheeks and grill them and then top it with some pickled octopus and some braised peppers. And you have the best surf and turf kind of meal ever known to man. 
This is actually a dish, a weirdo, fabulous, wonderful dish that is served at Willamette Week's Restaurant of the Year. 2009 Beaker and Flask. It is a new restaurant in Southeast Portland. It's actually a cocktail bar that magically turned into an awesome restaurant as well. Um, and you can eat all sorts of strange things there. But I'm telling you, are, are don't discount the pork jowls? cheeks. It is, is that what hog jowls. Are hog jowls and pork cheeks? I don't want to eat cheeks of any kind, by the way. But yeah, I'm just picturing like, people with their cheeks cut off now. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> it's it's uh, awesome. So these are the same thing, and this is at where Beaker and Flask. At Beaker and Flask. Well, there's like a, now th- we can actually tie this into the new issue because there's it's the restaurant guide this week. It is our restaurant guide 2009. It's a giant pullout section. It's a hundred of our favorite restaurants. We review them, plus we review our favorite carts, our favorite sandwiches, our favorite happy hours in town, and our restaurant of the year, which is Beaker and Flask. This place is amazing. Awesome. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. The new issue out now, ladies and uh, gentlefolk. You can also read her online at W Week. Dot com. All right, we'll see you next week. Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Coming up next, Scott <laughs> Cummings, bodyguard, possibly to the stars. Plus more news from Tim Riley. You stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Weblog, streaming, podcasts, and complete archives of everything. You know what would make me even sexier is if everybody can see my acres of flesh. Visit the Rick Emerson Show at KUFO.com. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-228-4101. So this will surprise everybody. You'll be shocked by this. Shocked. Not that shocked. The guy that is purportedly Michael Jackson's former bodyguard, who we've been talking about all morning, and we were unclear about whether he was just sort of stringing us along or not. Best part is he's now not answering his phone. Isn't that right? Not answering his phone at all? He's not answering his phone. It's going to voicemail, and I called his publicist, and his publicist is freaking out because he can't get a hold of him either. He might have had a last minute assignment. Yeah. Maybe to be the bodyguard for the president, you know, or the or you know, like maybe Mike Wallace uh, dropped it and wanted to talk to him. Yes. All right. So, uh, all right. Well, we will either uh, reschedule that guy or you know not. Don't forget about him. That's right. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. Live from the Alpha Broadcasting Ministry of Truth. This is Tim Riley. Good morning, everyone. Eight oh eight. It's going to be partly cloudy today. High near sixty. Rain tomorrow. A woman found a mason jar filled with black putter in her mailbox in Hillsboro. She called the police. It had duct tape and tinfoil attached to it. She put it in the backyard. The bomb squad arrived. Sure enough, the black putter was an explosive. But the person who put it together should have scrolled down on the recipe because you need a detonator to make it do anything. You just can't put black powder in a mason jar. <laughs> you can't just let it sit there. That's a thing you've got to it's actually like, activate. It's a squirrel, squirrel button. Uh, we have other things here. A 59-year-old woman who claims she nearly died during a sweat lodge ceremony in Sedonia is suing motivational speaker James Arthur Ray. Sydney Spencer said she nearly died from kidney and liver failure in that 120-degree sweat. She said Mr. Ray created a death trap. It was intolerable to human beings. Participants say at one point, victims are screaming for water and vomiting. And that Ray encouraged them to keep on vomiting and purge that body of all vomit. <laughs> no, no, no. you got to play your way through the pain. As recommended by Oprah. Good God Almighty. Yeah, it Really, I mean, if you see it on Oprah at this point, it is a tell that it is probably dangerous to you in some way. That would just, in my estimation, that would be the, uh, that is nature's uh, way of saying, this will harm you. Don't do it. So today is our Richard Heaney show, and he, he's had a bunch of them. Uh, one of the shows he put together was called Box Time. This was supposed to be a kid's show where kids made things out of boxes. It was a low-budget thing, but uh, the production values weren't too, too bad. And let's, uh, let's give it a listen. Now, wait a minute here. This is uh, called 
Now, we're not sure when this was done. Is this a, this horrific theme song that's going to be stuck I'm not going to play the theme head. song yet. This is uh, from the program itself. For the money of the pro- It's called Box Time. Kids make things out of boxes. Hello, everyone. My name is Boxster. And welcome to Box Time. Is this Hi, Richard Heaney? Heaney? And this is my wife, Mayumi Heaney. Today, we're going to show... Mayumi Heaney is hilarious. If you were stoned and said that to yourself a few dozen times out loud, you would never be able to breathe again. You know what they do with it? What? They crush boxes. No! You can make like a house out of it. What's, ha- what's happening in this video? They're crushing boxes. Is there a puppet of some kind? It sounds like a puppet. There's a life-size box talking. I'm filled with fear right now. Wow. I, I don't understand. Are they crushing the box? Yes. So they have a they have a friendly uh, anthropomorphized box that they're then crushing in front of children. Uh-huh. Maybe this is why the show didn't get picked up, you know, picked up to to entertain the smaller set. I'm just gonna fight up here to say Mayumi Heaney over and over again. Mayumi Heaney. By the way, at some point between now and nine a.m., when you hear the Pussifer song "The Mission," which uh, you all recognize as the "What, what do, do you know, know?" song, when you hear that, you'd be caller ten at that time. You'd be uh, caller ten. It's five zero three two two eight four one zero one. When you hear that song, and you score yourself a pair of tickets to the Pussifer Sold Out Show, which is happening the fourteenth at the Roseland. You get to see Major James Keenan in a performance unlike any other. Cabaret, comedy, performance art, rock, you name it. It's happening at the Roseland uh, at the sold-out show November 14th. We have tickets for, of course, they just added a second show, though, November 16th. Those tickets available at TicketsWest.com. Here's Tim Riley. Here's the theme for Box Time. The thing about this is, in, in the first scene, it's Falcon Heaney hiding in a box. As though he's been trained to hide from the prying eyes of the camera and the media. And then it has a lot of bad lip syncing with kids. This is so right before they, uh, the Heenies. What did we do before them? I don't know. I mean, it's it, you know what? It is weird to think that they were just sort of out there this whole time and we were unaware of their existence. They didn't exist a week ago. It do does I? surprise me, by the way, that Lifetime did not re-air that wife swap episode that they pulled it from the schedule because you think right now they want to be the, the maximizing their ratings like on how that. MTV's going to be playing oh. the DJAM thing that's right that's, uh, you, yeah. you, you can watch it on uh, my webpage at RileyLive.com we also have the uh, the Z-Donk on there oh yeah so this is the half zebra half donkey mm-hmm. how would that happen in nature I mean is that a thing that like you, you know what I mean is, is well, that perhaps like, a, a wink and a smile <laughs> from another uh, donkey <laughs> <laughs> Just, if you go to some small towns in Washington, they could probably answer that question for you. Chloroform-laced feed bag? Uh, no, 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 you look really... Uh, do, you want, uh, do you want a bale of hay? No, no, no. No, it always smells like that. Come on, have some hay. I mean, between, between the Z-Dog and the Heenies, I mean, Dick Cheney can't even get a word in edgewise. The strategy that they embraced in March with a focus on counterinsurgency and an increase in the number of troops bears a striking resemblance to the strategy we passed to them. Sorry, you have to be a Heeney to get attention these days. Uh, I, uh, I find your lack of faith uh, disturbing. Uh, we've got this, this speaking of uh, the Z-Dog and how it is that would be. Because, I mean, is the that... Zonky. But is that a deal where... The, the, Z-Doc the, is the preferred term. The, the Really, is one is, is one a sort of more politically correct term than the other? Um, is that a thing where the zebra and the donkey are naturally getting it on? Together? Or is that like where, or is that like a thing when you're a kid oh, where you'll get like a red ant to fight a grasshopper or Are you something? asking if somebody's making this in a, in a laboratory in Beaverton? Or, you know, or a is, special is, kind of fight is somebody just uh, putting them in, in a situation that they might not normally uh, find themselves? Is somebody making the animals hump? Is really my question. Oh, I saw like, that once. I saw my, one of my friends' uh, parents breeding their dog. 
Wait, what do you... I saw a dog raping. It was awful. Ah! It was awful. Why would you ever say that? Because it's in my head, and you said you were talking about the Why spittle would you in the ever... corner of the lips. A dog raping what? Dog. Ah! No. Why would you ever say that? Because they had uh. a purebred Cocker Spaniel, and so they wanted to mate it with another one. Oh, so it no. was... I, I have to hear something else to make me forget about this. I don't think a zebra and a donkey would be saying this beforehand. Let me. Can you back this song up to the beginning? We'll uh, we'll use this as the accompaniment to uh, an interesting news story that I uh, have uh, just been handed. All right, okay. go ahead and roll that, Tim. We have a waving box here with a dog's head. A man who was identified in court papers four years ago as having taken part in a horse sex party that led to the death of his friend. This is a news story, Sarah. This is sociologically important is now accused of performing lewd acts with a horse at a Maury country farm. James Tate was arrested and charged with three counts of unnatural relations with an animal. This is a really upsetting day, said Maury County Sheriff Enoch George. Authorities became aware of the acts after a complaint made by a citizen. Tate allegedly engaged in sexual acts with a stud horse at the Double Branch Road Farm over a span of several months. Captain Jimmy Tennyson said authorities recovered pictures of Tate engaging in acts with the horse. The phrase stud horse is just gross. I love that his name is Tate. <laughs> I'm in Tate, this is my stud horse. In 2005, Tate was identified as by police as having videotaped his friend, Kenneth Pinion, having sex with a horse at a farm in Enumclaw, Washington, about 40 miles south of Seattle. Pinion eventually died from a perforated colon. An injury he suffered from having relations with the equine. Thank you, Tim. Rick Emerson's show continues next. It's Rock 101. It won't let me stop it. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to make the obvious pun. Back after this, more from Tim Riley on the way. Uh, you stay right there and be listening for Pussifer. When slash if you hear that song between now and 9 a.m., call the 10. You score yourself a pair of tickets to their sold-out show at the Roseland on the 14th of November. Don't go anywhere. We are live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. The Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101. KUFO. Broadcasting in ADHD. We're so very, very, very sorry for this relentlessly juvenile behavior. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Which will now continue on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Radio Program, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It's Rock 101 KUFO. I know this will shock everybody even further, but the Michael Jackson bodyguard guy, so-called, now totally unfindable, except by his publicist who I think actually, it sounds like she went over to his house and discovered that he had, what did he put his cell phone in a drawer or something? Well, yeah, it was it was him, the publicist called, and yeah, apparently he, he had his cell phone somewhere where he couldn't hear it <laughs> for his 8 o'clock interview that was pre-scheduled Could like she? a week ago. <laughs> Could she vague that up at all? What do you mean? So, that almost sounds uh, mysterious or nefarious in some way. The idea that the cell phone was... That's like saying, I hide my cell phone in a private place. 
You know what I mean? It's just saying your cell phone was, quote, somewhere you couldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. That is really weird. It sounds like a strange... That's how. That's what makes me think it's not, uh, you know, that's a fabricated excuse. Because that almost, that, that seems like an unnatural way. You can just say, like, it was turned off or I didn't hear the cell phone ring. As opposed to it was stored in a place where it could not be heard. Yeah, no, that, and that's what, what he said. It was somewhere where he couldn't hear it. I keep it in my thorax. So. Uh, they offered uh, us the Michael Jackson, because I guess he's all busied up today. He's, yeah. oh, he's, he's, he's flush with interview opportunities. Yeah, a lot, a lot of them today. So, I, uh, yeah, We may or may not speak with him uh, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow we will be speaking with David, and I hope I pronounced this correctly. I believe it's Haverbaum. I think that's it, yeah. David Haverbaum, who is a 10-time Emmy Award-winning writer uh, for The Daily Show. He has won 10 Emmys for The Daily Show, and he's got a, a new book out as well. So tomorrow, uh, Emmy Award-winning Daily Show writer David Haverbaum. Also, Aaron Geek in the City, Duran. He'll be talking about the Week in Geek. Coming up Monday, Christy Turnquist from The Oregonian, I believe, is actually on vacation. We'll be speaking to her via phone, and our good friend Siegfried will talk about the Grindhouse Film Festival. Tim Riley is tracking the following headlines on this Thursday morning. A liberal city commissioner is unhappy about the city's homeless camping ban. He wants to allow them to camp out. Uh, Boeing announced a third quarter loss of $1.6 billion. And a man finds a tarantula between his legs on the flight. Ah! All right. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. Just wasn't prepared for that. Uh, finally, before we uh, take a break here, we'll come back. We'll have more from Tim Riley on the way. We have this from the New York Post. It isn't about a horse, is it? The, well... It's not about a horse so much as it is about a cow, Sarah. Rosie O'Donnell apparently is having marital strife. This has now been made public. The, quote, bloom, end quote, is off Rosie's marriage. Listen, this is why the New York Post is America's finest newspaper. By the way, America's oldest continually published newspaper, founded in 1812 by Alexander Hamilton. It looks like... Because the great thing about the Post is because it comes out of that tradition of British tabloids and British newspapers, which just have no soul. I mean, they're just black-hearted bastards, which is what amazing. makes them great. I, well, you know, I think I told you that when I was in um, London, I tried so hard to find you um, a, a shirt or something from the sun. But the sun, when I don't... I in London, I would, I would look at the sun every day. Well, and you can just... Uh, you can tell, by the way, that they're not... And I don't mean this as a knock, but you can tell that the, the, it is the difference between America and countries that aren't America. Because America, man, even one thing that's even vaguely successful, you will whore it out and squeeze it for every dime you possibly can, which is the way that a capitalist society, slowly giving way to rampant socialism, is supposed to behave. I went to the Sun, and I'm like, I need to buy a coffee cup, a shirt, something that says the Sun. And the woman, she's like, I, pardon me? And I said... You know, the Sun, the newspaper, your newspaper. You're the Sun, right? She says, yes. And I said, you're the Sun, the newspaper. You're the tablet. You're the thing I can buy out there for 50 pence or whatever. And she says, yeah. And I said, okay, I want to buy something like a, like a shirt or some sort of merchandise. And she said, I don't think we offer anything like that. And it was actually very, it was shocking to me. Because like the New York Post, they're no fools. You can actually just buy shirts that are nothing but reproductions of specific page six columns, which is the gossip column from the New York Post. Anyway. But they also don't have to be nice about anything, which is why you get great stories like this one. Todd v- Venezia from the New York Post writes, It looks like corpulent comedian Rosie O'Donnell and her lesbian wife Kelly Carpenter, which is sort of interesting. You would think the lesbian is implied, since he's talking about a woman named Kelly Carpenter. Yeah, it does seem pretty redundant. <laughs> uh, and it also implies that Rosie O'Donnell, by the way, is not a lesbian, since he has to specify that her partner is Comedian, corpulent, uh, Rosie O'Donnell and her lesbian wife Kelly Carpenter are going through a sapphic split. In an interview yesterday with USA Today, the former view loudmouth wouldn't deny that she and Carpenter had broken up. When asked point blank if they had split, O'Donnell told the paper, We're a family! We We will remain family forever! We're working on our issues! End quote. O'Donnell had been 
hinting at the split on her blog, writing, quote, Marriage is hard! End quote. USA Today reported that Carpenter wasn't present for the interview at the couple's Nyack home, for which she reportedly, uh, from which she reportedly has moved out. The duo who were married in San Francisco in 2004 have three adopted children, ages 9 to 14, and six-year-old daughter born by Carpenter. So, there you go. That was predictably... Here's the, the thing about this, by the way, and I, I am not the first person to make this observation, but I will make it now for your edification. If you are a celebrity couple, especially if you are some, if you're a celebrity couple, like if you, if you're, if your marriage is sort of groundbreaking in some way, like if you are a high profile, same sex celebrity couple, do not go on television and interview shows around the world insisting that your love is true and will last forever and that straight people have nothing to fear from you because your marriage is rock solid and will never dissolve because it will make, you know, it is made in heaven and will be an eternal love that will never be torn asunder by, because you'll be divorced within like 30 days. That's what always happens. The minute you go on television and start screeching about how you're going to be married forever, that's when you come home and you, you know, like you finally your, uh, you know, your significant other humping it out with some 22 year old fatty kids from, from the baseball team. Hadn't that Phillips guy already, didn't he get in trouble when he was actually the GM of the Mets? Yeah, I was looking at this. He was busted for several apparent affairs and sexual harassment allocations. But they were all with coworkers, too. Yeah, he's really just not smart about this. Friend, the company, the company Inkwell is not for your pen, you're, all right? You're GM of the Mets and you work for ESPN <laughs> now. I mean, you, and this is the best you could do. You're not smarter than this. I like, I keep going to don't hump people in the workplace. You keep going to hump somebody hotter. I mean, you can afford a call girl if that's what you want to do. See, I, nah, see, I got thoughts about that as well. We'll do that on the other side. I got a lot of, when we have, I have many hooker thoughts uh, when we return. Straight ahead, hooker thoughts plus more news from Tim Riley coming up at nine o'clock. Smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. We'll get a clarification on the citizens' arrest thing and this afternoon, uh, Court and Bobby, uh, Court and Fatboy, this afternoon, 3 till 7. It's the Rick Emerson Show. We're live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. Stay right there. Thursday morning. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Where is Beth going today? I'm going to go to Alma. Now I'm going to catch a bus with Rick. Ah, Rick is your new favorite. Yeah, because he has a, he has a green car and he's cute. <laughs> a green Mustang. Very classy. Yeah. I think he's gonna take me for a ride in it. What about your boyfriend? What about Jesse? Jesse's delicious. He's gonna take me today to get a new toilet seat because mine got broken and was sliding. Share your thoughts with Billy. Hey, could you ruin my life too? Maybe just destroy my livelihood or something? How about give me cancer? Maybe steal my wife? You know, whatever. This is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Why are you doing that? Jesus, God Almighty. It's the Rick Emerson Show, live from beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, on Rock 101 KUFO. So, during the break, Sirius is doing nonstop sound bites from Rosie O'Donnell playing uh, the mentally challenged woman from. What is it? It's not the other sister. Is it riding the, it's bus, riding with my the sister? bus with my sister? What is the other sister? The other sister is the one with Juliet Lewis and Giovanni Ribisi. But they're also uh, the handy, capable. Yes. Z- 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 Right. And they eat phone cards for lunch. <laughs> of course they do. So I'm just hearing nothing but Rosie O'Donnell talking about going to play a toilet and I five. Can you just give us a little sample of what I was subjected to for the last uh, three or four minutes here? Oh, but Jesse, that one's ugly. Nobody wants to sit on that. You Could you me? look? I don't mean the word blue here, but I'm just saying that we just had this story about how uh, Rosie O'Donnell's marriage is apparently uh, it's uh, it's on the rocks. Uh, could you imagine? I mean. This is nothing to do with the nature of her relationship or, you know, whatever. 
But can you imagine? Don't say no, it. no, 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 no. But here, it. but I've Don't got no. It. Look, you were talking about violating a dog earlier, and in the most I horrific way, only because dog. you wanted to put it in my okay. head. So I'm going to get this into your head. This is what I do. This is going to be a little bit of payback. What if you were deeply in in love with somebody who had a, a, a functional, uh, you know, wonderful marriage filled with joy and happiness and intimacy, like Rosie O'Donnell, like Rosie O'Donnell, for example. And then she did this movie, and of course, if you're married to her, as Kelly Carpenter is slash was, certainly was at the time, if you're married to Rosie O'Donnell, of course, you've got to support her projects, even the stupid ones. You've got to go see her movies, even the bad ones. You've got to attend all her premieres, even the interminable, excruciating ones. And so there you are, Kelly Carpenter, sitting next to the woman you love and a woman you presumably have biblical relations with. And then you're watching her on a big screen, 60 feet high, making this noise. Oh, God, am I going to have to do it? Yes, yes. So you're sitting there. assistance, please, I wrote up a one for toilet seat. How would you ever be able to, <laughs> to, to engage in an act of love with her ever again? How, uh, well, for all we know, that, that tone could have been going on constantly over the past few months. <laughs> I guess that would prompt the dissolution of a marriage, wouldn't it? It would, yes. Jesus. I mean, at least, uh, final comment about this. One of the many, many advantages to being a, uh, a gay woman, I would imagine, uh, imagine is that like at least how do i put this at least there's fewer physical manifestations of the fact that you might find the person completely repellent in bed after seeing this you know what i mean you can sort of fake your way through that this could have been what happened you're a man attempting to achieve or sustain there's no way there's no, i mean it's just a the, the voice would just wander through your head like a some sort of sexual pickpocket Ministry of oh, honey, I'm working late again. Is Tim I'd love to come home and just just roll around with you all night, but I just can't. I, and I was in a car accident, and my legs have gone. Here's Tim Riley. Well, an uninvited guest recently caused British Airways to cancel flights. According to the Scotsman, the flight from London to Edinburgh had to be grounded after a passenger spotted a tarantula between his legs. The man noticed a heavy creature that didn't belong there. After the flight had landed... But the plane had to remain on the ground while a specialized fumigator entered the cabin. British Airways had to can cancel other flights after that. None of the 82 people aboard uh, saw the spider at that location. Of course, they weren't looking there anyway. Two Sudanese women who dared to show the country who wears the pants found out it wasn't them. The Muslim women were sentenced to 20 lashes and fined for committing an act of indecency by donning trousers in public. They also contend police are given too much free reign in deciding what is decent clothing for women. They were told, and it was proven, that in the Sudanese capital, it is wrong for ladies to dress. Well, Tim, Islam is the religion of peace. Remember that. A Christos employee in Kentucky was arrested last weekend for his distracting bridge-side boogie. The Kentucky New Era reports Jeremy Johnson was arrested for disorderly conduct when he decided he was going to dance on the bridge. Is that Dance, D-A-I-N-C-E? That's correct. That's what they do in okay. Kentucky. All right. He was standing on the bridge during a break when people began honking and waving at him, not wanting to disappoint. Johnson began dancing. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> well, there you go. It's 503-228-4101. 503 
228-4101. And don't forget, Value Village has thousands of new and used costumes and accessories. It's Halloween season. Value Village is your Halloween superstore with the biggest selection and best prices in town. You can get a complete costume for under $20. Go to valuevillage.com for Halloween tips and tricks. And if you are caller 10 right now, we're going to toss a uh, Value Village $20 Halloween gift certificate your way. That is 503-228-4101. 503-228-4101 if you are caller 10 Right now, don't forget to join us tomorrow when our guest will include Aaron Duran from GeekInTheCity.com, David Haverbaum, 10-time award-winning, uh, Emmy award-winning writer for The Daily Show, and Marco Gonzalez from TMZ. That is coming up tomorrow. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondent uh, Steve Kastenbaum for joining us earlier today, as well as Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com, and Kelly Clark from Willamette Week. Rick Emerson show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillen for Rock 101 KUFO. In the newsroom, it's Tim Riley. On the phone's Greg Nibbler. The gatekeeper is Dave Zinn, the webmistress. Bridget from upstairs, Alpha Broadcasting Marketing Guru. Susan, don't F with me, Reynolds. Coming up next at 9 o'clock, and it smells like the 90s with our good friend Buzz. Gordon Fatboy this afternoon, 3 till 7. It is Thursday, October 22nd, and that is The Frequency. Kenneth, as always, thank you for listening. Be safe. Watch out for snakes. Bye now. Attention broadcasters in the greater Portland area, your daily show prep is now concluded. Thank you for listening.